know where I'm at. Please don't pay that songs in this party. I can't even listen to that. Anytime that I run into somebody, it must be a victory lap. Hey, Shotty come sit on my lap. Hey, they say Drizzy just snap. This in between us is not like a store. This isn't a closable gap. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. Jim, my man, tonight is the start of a brand new season, season two, episode one, titled Spanning the Globe. We're going <laughs> to... We're going to be spanning the globe tonight because we're bringing on Trey Spann, Southeastern Louisiana University football stud. Um, he's going to talk to us about his journey through um, football from growing up through college and, you know, what he's up to now. But before we bring Trey into the mix, Jim, talk to me, man. How was the weekend? Man, before I talk about the weekend, let's address something. Props to you. Like, you know, I do the editing. I do the music. But you do the titles of the show, and that might be underrated because you caught me off guard with that because you did not tell me what it was going to be. And I like that a lot, man. So props to you on that. But, uh, but as far as the weekend, you know, with uh, LSU and the Saints not playing, it was time to, as you say, put in that deposit on the family time. Did a lot of that. Wanted to talk about Saturday. You know we're going to talk about Memphis later, but – one thing I didn't tell you about the rail garden experience, first of all, you know, choose 901, place was packed out, fans everywhere. But all three TVs, Daniel, were in a different spot, right? And a lot of people were highly intoxicated, so they weren't aware of this. And I picked up on it that the big screen was ahead of all of them. And you could tell by the cheering. And then my TV where we were at was second and then the other one was third. So that video I sent you of them celebrating, I knew it was coming because I went and started watching it at the big screen. And so when I saw the touchdown, I ran over there to record everyone's reaction. And so these people were completely unaware that they were behind and it didn't matter because obviously they were having a good time in Memphis one. So that was fun. When you're, when you're the person that's there and you're, uh, you're sober cause you're hanging out with your family just having a good time and everyone else is not, you kind of get the people watch and laugh at things. And so that was funny. So I got to watch three different groups of Memphis fans celebrate the same play. Well, man, I'm going to need Rail Garden to do better. Like, they need to <laughs> sync up those TVs. Like, come on now. Like, I mean, you ain't lying. I, they do need to do better. But, I mean, no one noticed, so they got off the hook. And, hey, man, they've had a – with the pandemic, they've had it rough along with a lot of other bars and restaurants in Memphis. And so – uh, we were there for a good five, six-hour stretch, and they were packed the entire time. So uh, a good bounce-back weekend for them. And then as far as yesterday, you know, church and just just hanging out with family. So like I said, man, a lot of family time. Got that deposit in because, you know, next week LSU and the Saints will be back to work, and I'm going to be back in front of that TV. I hear that, man. Same, same here except for – I'll say I... – you know, as far as weekends go and sports entertainment goes, this has been – this past weekend has been one of the, the best weekends I've seen, you know, the Rays, you know, do what they needed to do, punch their ticket to the World Series. I saw Memphis come back from a huge hole to come back and, and beat a team that they haven't beat in a really long time. So got some revenge there and, um, you know, got to see – 
just some really, really good football games, some really, really good baseball games. And, you know, I know that we'll talk about the Bucks. We'll talk about all that stuff when we hit headlines. But, you know, overall, just a, a great opportunity, a great weekend full of, of sports and not just football, but baseball as well. So um, that's what I spent my time doing. Got out on Sunday, did a little pumpkin patch, you know, got a little pumpkin action took some pictures, you know, all for the, for the social media. But um, other than that, man, that was about it. Low key got Disney coming up this weekend. So just, you know, trying to chill out. till then yeah, my, my wife's still trying to con me into meeting y'all down there. <laughs> well, Hey, I, it's, it's, it's a public place. You're more than welcome to come, you know, um, I would love to love to see you. So if you, if you're there, great. If not, then, you know, we'll catch you again. No big deal. So tonight, Jim, you know, we got, we got a good one. You know, and I, I say this all the time, but I'm excited because, you know, this is kind of a milestone for us. When we started the podcast, we didn't know how many episodes we would do. You, we didn't know how many seasons we, we would hit. But I think it's always a, a pretty big milestone when any show can say that they moved from one season to the next. And just based on the rundown of guests that we got, we're going to start off strong um, tonight with Trey Spann. He's the Southeastern Louisiana Uni University football player. He's going to talk to us tonight, um, basically about his journey through football, college football, and what he's doing now. So without further ado, let's welcome on with the biggest interview and in podcasting this week, Mr. Trey Spann. Trey, my man, how we doing? I'm doing great. How about y'all? We're good, bro. We're good. Um, like I said, you are starting off season two, man. We're, we're starting off with a bang, so I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Um, we're fortunate and lucky and glad that you're here. We're, we're, we're ready to get this thing going. You want to have some fun with us tonight? Oh, of course. And I just want to say congratulations to you guys on uh, season two. I'm um, very excited to be the, the first guest to kick the season off, so uh, let's get to it. Yeah, man. So – so let, let's start from the, from the beginning. I always, I always say that when you don't know where to start, always start at the beginning. So that's where we're going to go. Uh, growing up, talk to us about, you know, when did you start playing football? At what age? Because I know we, we've had some guests on here that have been some late bloomers and didn't start until like middle school, high school. But then we've had some, some guys on here that started at like three and four years old, which is unreal to me. But what age did you start playing? So I started playing when I was uh, seven. Uh, my baseball coach actually got me out there to start playing. And, uh, he actually taught me how to play. So it was kind of ironic that my baseball coach taught me how to play. But uh, he was the – he taught me what uh, – he taught me what tough love was from uh, like outside my family. Uh, I didn't have – he was, you know, a different guy on the baseball field from football field. So uh, it was different trying to, like, kind of seeing him in that point of view. But he taught me what, uh, you know, being coachable – what that is and uh, not, you know, understanding like what the message is and not hearing the tone of it. That's what, that's where that kind of started for me. Yeah. You, you talk about tough love, but like, tell me what was the family dynamic? I mean, we've always had these coaches, I'm sure in our life that are, that are super important, but you know, inside the home, what, what was it like, you know, growing up? Oh, my, like my, I'm very big on family. Uh, like the skipping ahead to college. I play, I think I counted, I want to say it was 40 games, and uh, my family only missed one game when I was in college. So uh, my family, they travel no matter uh, if it's one person or 
a big group, like 20, 20 people. Uh, they're going to travel, come see me play. I'm um, very big on family. So that's, that's something that we stand by. So, so where are you from? I'm from uh, South Haven, Mississippi, outside of Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, the SIP, Daniel. Right. The, the SIP. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know it was called that. When I lived in Memphis, I, South Haven was just this, this place that didn't have a whole lot there. And then they got a Walmart. And then before you know it, that was, that was, that was the place to live. Now it is. Yeah. So, hey, it's, it's, it's up, up and coming, as they say. Exactly. But uh, I mean, it ain't but, Tampa. Uh, <laughs> hey, I I only moved here because I needed a job. So <laughs> no, I, I I moved here, you know, not to not to make it about me, but yeah, like my wife got a job here. I moved here, and we we wanted to settle down here, and so that's what we did. Um, if you come here now, the weather's seventy degrees. It's beautiful outside, so you you can't you can't beat it right now. I wouldn't doubt it. So, so you said you started at an early age playing football, but you did mention that football wasn't your only sport because your baseball coach was the one who introduced you to football. Was football and baseball the only two sports? Or were you a track runner, a basketball player? Uh, growing up, it was only football and baseball. But then when I got to uh, middle school, that's when I started playing basketball. And uh, I did track for two years. But uh, baseball and Football with my two true loves, and I played basketball, so I would get out of uh, spring, spring football and weights, <laughs> stuff like that. So it was really conditioning for me. So you know, defense-wise, that's uh, make sure I defense-wise and basketball, make sure I you know stayed up on that. But Trey, skipping the weight room, bro. Oh, hey, we did too much of that in the summer anyway. <laughs> so, so do you do you regret? Just thinking back on it now, do you regret playing multiple sports? Do you ever envision or wish that you would have just done one sport so you could have spent more time in the weight room and off-season conditioning and, and stuff like that? Uh, people always like would tell me that I need to choose at least, well, at most two sports or maybe even one sport. But like now that I think about it, I, I, I have memories in all, like, all three sports, like whether it's from Little League all the way up to – college like I, I would never change I would never change it uh, I met like countless teammates and uh thing about that is like I guess for me I'm like I'm very family oriented so team sports for me is like a brotherhood so I like I don't really consider them friends I have a lot of brothers in uh, all type of sports and like going into that each sport is like different you know uh like for football you have to be kind of tough on your on your brother Rather than baseball, you know, you can go out there and just talk to them and stuff. It's different types of ways that you have to communicate to people in each sport. So I guess like that, that like has challenged me to learn how to be a leader and uh, learn how to lead people in different ways. I, I would never, I would never try to uh, go back in the past and change that. Yeah, I, when I coach, especially down here in in Florida, you, it's hard to convey how important it is to play multiple sports because the weather here you can play all the sports year round and yeah. it's so hard because parents put in their kids that they need to specialize in one sport and play it all the time and practice it all the time so that you can right. be really really good at it and like I I get all that but just like you said like every sport offers something different and I I thought you know for me personally 
playing multiple sports was always a benefit. I never got burnt out on one sport or the other. I always got to move and transition and, and, and play with a different group of people and just, you know, between baseball and football, it's just so different. Um, the, just the mindset of playing and, and just the team and the camaraderie that you have. So I can yeah, definitely not, feel you on that. Yeah. I mean, to hit, to hit on what he said, you know, Trey, the reason me and him are doing this podcast and friends 25 years later is from football and high school. Like, like you said, like you just, you can't replace that brotherhood. Exactly. Yeah. Like talking on that, like each sport, you know, you learn different traits and stuff like baseball, I know a hand-eye coordination and stuff. If you can hit a baseball, you know, you can go out there and catch a football in my, in my, in my opinion. So like going out there and doing stuff like that and then, you know, translating football, I was a very good defensive player just because I was on I was able to understand like just from football to basketball. So each each sport you can learn something to take from it, you know, and it, it'll it'll build you up in my opinion. It, it, it gives you more attributes. Yeah, I I've always said that hitting hitting a baseball is one of the top most difficult things to do in all of sports. It's yeah, it is. Just the hand-eye coordination required, and, and there's a level of talent and skill that comes with that, you know, other than just hand-eye coordination. So, um, but but bring me back to to your family. You know, I, I every athlete we have on here, we always talk about like their influences and who pushed you into what sport. Was there anybody in your family that that pushed you to play football or play baseball or just be an athlete in general? Uh, no, uh, like, thing about my family is, uh, whatever you choose to do in this family, as long as you, you know, put your heart into it, like, really don't care what it is, but, uh, for me, um, my dad, he played football growing up, then, uh, I got to see my uncle, he played at South Haven, uh, our rival, actually, in high school, uh, and growing up, watching him play, that, I, I just tried to be like him, you know, then my grandfather, I remember he used to play competitive softball, so, uh, going to see him travel, like playing that, it was just, I guess I've, I've been around sports my whole life. So just seeing it and uh, being able to like to talk to my family about it, that's like the only thing that I know I ever know how to do. So, Are, are you the best athlete in your family? <laughs> uh, if you ask me when we're playing a sport, I, I I will tell you yes. But since I'm, I'm a humble person, I'll tell you, uh, no, nah, I'll tell you no right now. But you, you get me on the field or something, I don't think nobody can uh, beat me. Yeah, we get we get a mixed review when we ask that question. Some are quick to say, "Yeah, I'm the best," and then some are like, "No, nah. no." They'll say their dad or their brother, but more times than not, quick to say themselves. So um, we like it either way: humble or confidence. They can both. Yeah, you give me my, you give me in the uh, in the atmosphere. Uh, they'll they'll hear from me. I mean, you gotta be. I mean, you play DB. I mean, trash talk is what you do, right? Like, you gotta be the best. Yeah. And I was the type of person I wouldn't really say anything first, but once you said something to me, you you wouldn't hear it. You wouldn't hear the end of it till you got on the bus. So, all right. So let's let's transition to high school. For those who don't know uh, anything about you, where did you play high school, or where did you go? So I went to Desoto Central. Uh, it's actually in South Haven. Uh, I think in about 2000 they had built Desoto Central. They, uh, they had South Haven got overpopulated, so they built Desoto Central. And uh, so my school has been there, well, 20, 20 years now. So it's a fairly new school, but we had a bunch of athletes and stuff. So it's a uh, booming. Yeah, y'all are definitely putting out athletes in all sports. It's 
It's crazy. DC's getting it done for sure. Uh, So, as far as football, you know, what all positions did you play? So, uh, growing up, actually, I was play. I only played running back. Then when I got to high school, um, I was playing running back and receiver. And the end of my freshman year, I guess I was on freshman team, then the end of going to the last three games of the varsity, they moved me to corner. And I was just athletic. I was athletic, so – I kind of played – I played in middle school, but, you know, I was just out there. No one ever taught me what to do. I was just, you know, just cover somebody. They just, like, just be able to be athletic and watch them. So, I guess, like, just when I – I'm saying all that to say this. So, my second game, we played South Haven, our rival. It was a big rival game, and I was the only freshman starting. And uh, they had a senior. They got me up on a senior. And that's probably the worst game I ever played in my life at – that actually like made me realize that uh, you know, it's people that is, I'm not playing my same age group anymore. You know, I'm I'm playing with the big dogs now. I was a senior. I think he scored three touchdowns on me. Mm. I want to say he went for 200 yards, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, I just remember like going to my dad after the game, crying and stuff. And uh, my my dad, and my mom, were my biggest fans and my worst critics. And uh, my mama, she I remember she uh. You know, wipe my tears away and said, "Boy, don't you ever let that happen again." So <laughs> from there, I just <laughs> so from there, like I realized, like I had to put in a lot of work and stuff, and uh, I never let it happen again. Like just to say that. So yeah, I mean, I think that's good that that happened early, right? Because you were able to find exactly. out who you were as as a person and as a football player on how you responded and bounced back, you know, to that game, right? Exactly. Like for me. Like from middle school, you know, it's just you, you they tell you a play and then you you run it. You don't understand why you're doing it. And then high school, for me it was like transitioning like to understanding like for me it was like understanding what the offense is doing, you know, like reading splits and things like that. So like in high school I was like in middle school, you know, you're just out there and when I transferred over to high school I realized like I realized it's not it's not just me being athletic anymore, it's a it's about fundamentals now. So that that really taught me that really taught me a big time thing. But I feel like with you, you know, you know, talking about fundamentals, but athletically it made it to where you probably could have played anywhere they asked you to, right? Oh yeah, that uh, wherever you wanted to put me, it really didn't matter. Uh, I was a my body structure and like my size and speed. I I've been able to play anywhere you put me. Really, it doesn't matter. Uh, like in college, I was skipping that. Uh, you know, I could play in the box. I could play, like, off the edge, blitzing or anything. I can go cover receivers or anything. So, it, it really didn't matter. I was just blessed with my size and speed and athleticism. So, putting me anywhere, it really didn't matter. Gotcha. So, how, uh, you know, I'm not too familiar with your team while you were there. I've, I've watched D.C. more recently um, as right. I've grown more into this area. Uh, how good was the, the team you were on through the time you were there? I was at my so my sophomore year was the first time uh, our school ever went to the playoffs, and uh, we lost in the first round to Madison Central, a team out in Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, from there, we were just we were a decent, well, average six eight team, put it like that. Uh, we would beat the teams that we were supposed to beat, but when it came to them playing the South Panolas and uh, getting over the edge, the edge of Grenada and Tupelo, we would kind of struggle. So uh, I guess you could say like we're still building to get on that type of level. But, you know, playing like any 4A school, even 5A school, anything like that, we, we would dominate them pretty 
pretty good. So it's just, you know, that 6A football in Mississippi is just a, it's a um, different different breed. Yeah, no. yeah, I mean, you know, you know who played for Madison Central? I'm not sure who's that. The Super Bowl champion Steven Gaskowski. <laughs> I did not know that. He played baseball for them too. I did not know that. And now he's just a money kicker no matter where he goes. Well, his nickname was Beaver. He used to call him Beaver. I don't know why, but that's <laughs> never heard of that. And see, and here we thought we were going to be learning something. Now you're learning something. Learn something new every day. So, you know, you mentioned South Haven earlier being a rival. So that that was clearly y'all's biggest rival? Um, Them and Olive Branch. Yeah, because what, what it seems like, because, you know, we went to Bolton High School and – so similar to what you were talking about uh, as far as the age of your school and, you know, South right. Haven getting um, overpopulated. Same thing happened with Bartlett. I actually was going to go to Bartlett High School, our rival, and then okay. they changed the district lines and I went to Bolton. So I, I actually really understand exactly, you know, what your your scenario and situation was. And then because the schools were close and because you had kids that knew each other, that quickly became the rival because – kids I grew up playing sports with were now on the other side and you know you kind of went to friends to frenemies right so like I'm sure you had a lot of that right you knew a lot of people probably at South Haven but I knew basically the whole school it seems like you know uh even though we play on different teams you know like you know the brotherhood thing I was talking about even though we like you know played peewee football stuff together I still consider my brothers and stuff you know you know when we get on the field the trash talking escalated times 10 so um it it was I feel like that was a, a very fun thing, you know, getting to play against people you grew up with. And uh, you know, it is it's different seeing them in a different color and stuff like that. So it I, I enjoy it. All right. So when in when in your high school career did you know that college was a real possibility? I knew my sophomore year. Uh after the season, my sophomore year, like watching my highlight, I, I, I just knew that. Uh, I knew that I was, I was blessed. Put it like that, I knew that I was blessed. And uh, really, I'm like, I guess my whole life, I kind of, it was just the mindset, like you know, growing up when I was playing running back, I always wanted to be like Reggie Bush and stuff. And uh, I was pretty good. At, I was pretty good at running back. So I, I knew that I would be going to college. It was something in my mindset that I knew. But to like. You know, really verify. It was my sophomore year watching that. My highlight. It was just uh, I guess it gave me chills. You know, you really don't. Personally, I really don't. Um, I'm very hard on myself, so I don't. I don't. Uh, I think everything I do is is something I can do better. So me watching my highlight take my sophomore year, it kind of, it kind of uh, made me just get on my knees and thank God. You know that uh, I was able to be as good as I was. Hey, Trey, are you on a spaceship? No, I'm not. <laughs> I, start, I start hearing them noises. I had to ask. <laughs> no, I'm, te- I'm teasing. You know, the audience going to wonder what that was and have a little light fun with it. All right, so what were your top three schools of choice when, when you started getting offers? Um, I was big on Mississippi State, um, Ole Miss, and then when Southeastern came, uh, Southeastern. All right. Well, that's interesting. So with Ole Miss and Mississippi State a part of the trio, how was it that it became to be Southeastern? It just came like they uh they actually came late in recruiting, but it was just um 
it's, it was different, you know. Uh, I guess like my godparents, they're a big Ole Miss fan, so I used to go with them to Ole Miss games. You know, growing up, that's like all you wanted to, you know, growing up, that's like, oh, I want to go to Ole Miss and play. But, you know, like once you started getting recruited by them and stuff, and then it was a surreal feeling. And Southeastern came, going out there, just, I guess it was just something about them, you know. Uh, if you haven't been, I'm pretty sure you've been to Louisiana, but Louisiana is just a, if I were to describe it, it kind of be disrespectful too. It's just something you gotta go experience. It's it's it's, it's own country. It's its own culture. It, no yeah. one can understand it unless you've lived there. I understand exactly what you're talking about. Uh, you can't you can't you can't even put it into words how special Louisiana is. And I just feel like home. As soon as I got there, you know, it wasn't it wasn't too far away from home, but it was far away where I had to uh, grow up on my like well grow up outside of the house and stuff. It was, Trust me, I love I love your choice because obviously as an LSU fan, I'm not a fan of of Ole Miss or Mississippi State, and obviously with my family being from Louisiana, uh, I'm all about the state. We go there constantly. Uh, every time I go there, I put on five pounds from eating the food. Uh, but the yeah, it's it's just great, and so I think you made a great choice. Yeah, and like just like you know, meeting a lot of people, well, teammates from Louisiana, like their uh, style of play is a lot different from my style of play, you know, uh, I think Mississippi football is more like physical, well, I say South or Mississippi. It's more physical, for uh, sort of say, and then I got to Louisiana and it's, it's kind of more flashy kind of in a way, so it was like it was really different for me to, you know, catch on to that and stuff, and like like I said, I added more like styles to my gameplay, so I like, I thank God that they he brought me to Louisiana. It was a uh, Going to Louisiana, like going to Southeast, I became a lot closer to God. Uh, met some brothers for a lifetime. It's just, it was just a special place for me. So when when we talk about college and and you pick South Southeastern, so talk us through the the you now signed. You're now like you're packing your stuff. You're you're on campus. Your parents leave, and you're there now it's just you so like what is that feeling like when you get there and you're like okay i'm in a different state i'm on my own like like is it kind of surreal where like you you put all this hard work in or is it like man this is scary as hell because like now like it's it's all me it's like it's everything it's like all your emotions are intensified times 10 because it's like you know like walking up the stairs to your dorm you know, like my mom, she uh, was decorating stuff for me, all that stuff. So, like, look at them, like, this is really my home. And then, you know, you've seen, like, your teammates that you never met before. And, like, they like, telling you what's up and stuff. They introduce you to stuff. It's like, well, that's crazy. And then, like, then, like, seeing your family leave is like, it's like, wow, like, it's, it's really happening. So, like, all that stuff is like, every, like, emotion that you can think of is intensified times 10. Like, I really cried. Like the first night, I went on the balcony. I was like, I was just crying. I was like, I just didn't know how to feel. Like, I didn't know if I was just, like still excited, scared, or anything. Then, like to say that we had work workouts that next morning. So I was like, man, I, it was like just a lot of things going on. So that's probably you know a good thing that you had workouts the next day because now like you clear your head and you actually you can get into the element that you're comfortable with, which is sports. So. Right. Like, you know, going to school is a uh, going off the of school. It's, 
it's very different when you go to college because like you don't have mom or daddy waking you up anymore. You know, it's it's all on you. You know, you have to either rely on yourself or your teammate. And you don't know how you know responsible that your teammate is. So or your roommate is. So it, it's, I might still call my daughter when she's off to college to make sure she wakes up because she's like she likes to sleep in. Exactly. My my mama, she well, she let me I'll take it back. She actually let me uh, do it on my own, but you know, during the middle of the day she acts without time for stuff. So she don't play all that. But uh just uh it's uh it's different, you know. It's like you have to I guess that's like where, you know, your parents telling you to um go clean your room and stuff like stuff like the little things like that is like when it comes to college, like you see if you don't clean your room you see how it looks on you and stuff like that. So, like, just college in general is a, it's a lot. But you know, going to, you know going to the locker room and just being in football that made everything a lot better. So you you get there your first year. Um, was that twenty fifteen? Right. Your first year? So you ended up redshirting, correct? Right. So what 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 was the reason for the red shirt? Was it a medical red shirt, or just you needed another year, or you wanted to save a year? What was what was going uh, on? I think our defense coordinator he he told me that he actually wanted me to play, but we had um, Harlan Miller. He got drafted to the Arizona Cardinals. He was a starting corner. Then we had another All American. Uh, well, he was All Conference corner. So two. Two all Southlanders and one all American. Then we had three. It was four bounce backs from LSU. Uh, other uh, two safeties, another corner, and then a nickelback. So it was really like me just coming in as a freshman. He uh, he just wanted me to just learn from. At the time I was playing corner, so learn from Holland Miller, just uh like how to play corner in college. Gotcha. So. So then you redshirt 2015 and you come back and you play in seven games in 2016. Um, did you feel like that year of redshirting and that year of knowledge and that just year of being around college athletes was beneficial going into that, that 2016 season? I think it was very beneficial because just uh, when you get to colleges, as me being, like, you know, you've been 18 years old, you might be playing with someone that's 22, you know, he's been in the weight room for, well, college weight room for 22 years. So, I mean, three more years than you. So it's it's a big difference, you know. Uh, you're not just playing against, you know, guys that just choose when they want to work out and stuff. It's grown men that you're playing against. So, like, you can – really, you can, like, easily get hurt going out there. So I realized that immediately. So uh, then the big thing about college that people really don't realize is, like you get to college, most of the talent that you play against is the same. You know, uh, like you might have the same skill set as somebody, but what's going to set you apart is your technique. So, I realize the technique in college is like it's huge. Uh, you have to be very fundamentally sound in college. Uh, it's just very different from high school. You get away with something. Yeah, I mean, with all the film and the technology that's readily available it's easy, I think, now, much easier now to get exposed on on just trends that people have and just, like, not weaknesses, but just things that you're, that you know you need to work on and you're working on them, you're just not where it needs to be. And, like, it seems like that's where teams get to see, like, the most of you right. is, is at your worst. And so 
I, I can see how, how difficult it can be, you know, for kids now, like yeah. you got coaches that are watching game film on you for, for years and like not just one or two games and they're not just trading films. They're like, they have it all the analytics that go with it. It's crazy. Yeah. Playing by colleges, you know, you watch film in high school, but when you get to college, uh, you, you had to really understand the game plan. Like this thing for me, like it was like kind of surreal. And like when he got a, I think our first game was against Oklahoma state, my freshman year, or well, my redshirt freshman year. And uh, when we got the package, it was like, it was just crazy because they had like all the percentages of power runs on the read. And then I had like pass plays, like pass concepts that they run and stuff. And then you go out there and practice these concepts and stuff and the, like types of runs that they do and stuff. And then you go to the game and like they're actually doing it, like the same stuff that you practice. So it was like, that was just crazy to me. It's like they have all that stuff mapped out for you and stuff. And uh, that's what I like, kind of, some people struggle in college with is, uh, you have to be able to understand a game plan and understand the de your defense, to, well, defense or offense to understand, like, why you're doing this or when they do this, do that, and just being able to communicate and know what you're doing out there because a lot of stuff goes on. A lot of stuff goes on. Uh, just pre-play and actual, like, play, so. I'm sure as as much academics as you put in, you also have to study and devote time and and you know just a lot of patience looking at film like of other teams just to prepare you know for the next week's game. Um, so to talk to me about 2017. So I you know I, I'm pulling stats off of the the school site, it said you played in four games. So you went from playing in seven games to four games. What was, what was going on in 2017? Was there an injury? Was there just. So just I had a meniscus. Mm -hmm. So uh, I really rushed back too soon instead of um, trying to play it, like, let it rest and stuff. But uh, I was just impatient and it was kind of hindering me from not kind of, it was hindering me from being able to play how I play. So, um, I really wasn't healthy at all. And then that following spring is when I really got it back healthy. I was able to uh, get back in the weight room and strengthen it back up and uh, understand like how my body was, how my body was like post-surgery. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like in 2018, that following season you played in 11 games. And, it, you know, for everything that I looked at, it looked like it was a great year for you personally. Um, would you say 2018 was your best season? Um, I think this past year, 2019, was my best just because I was able to, I was able to like to play more freely, and I, and um, it was just a, a special year, like with the team wise, with how we were in the conference championship and stuff. I'm I'm a big team person, so person like I would rather you know the team do good rather than my success. So like just being us in the position that we were in going to the end of uh, October I, I feel like that was well November was I feel that's the reason that's the best season for me well he well you ask it like that because I mean you know I know you love your school but they they ain't got your 2019 stats what's up with that I know that's I, right <laughs> that's just how they do I don't know it's man I, I got I got notes on here ask about 2019 so well, so let me ask you, are, given everything that's gone on in 2020, 
Right. Are you somewhat relieved that 2019 was the last season? I'm very relieved. Uh, I can only imagine what all those players are going through right now because, uh, you know, you, you, you practice in, you practice in the spring, you practice all summer, but lift weights all summer, you go to fall camp. And then just to have no, like no uh, season or anything. And then if you do get a season, it's in front of a limited amount of fans. It's a, uh, that's very frustrating. I, I, I can contest to that. I just know it's frustrating. So I'm very uh, grateful that I got out the proud of that. So uh, um, I can only imagine what they're going through. Yeah, I can only imagine. You know, you talk about about your family is just just thinking about having to play games with nobody there, not even your family. Yeah. That that'd be that'd be rough. Well, and then, Daniel, he mentioned Oklahoma State in 2015, and I know um, from talking to him, they played LSU in 2018. And so when you go to conference only, you know, they don't they don't get to play in those big-time games where they might have a chance, at, you know, playing against the big dogs and seeing what they're really made of. Right. You know, like, going to that, like, uh, the thing about what I realize is uh, the skill, skill positions is uh, – it's kind of, you know, the level kind of the same. So it's really when you get into the trenches, uh, especially like late into the game where you see the big difference. Uh, those big guys start wearing, like they'll start wearing them out and stuff and then try to bring everybody to the box. And it just, it just messes the game plan up. You know, you don't really, you can't really account for, you know, uh, the physical pounding that the uh, trenches will uh, endure. So. So we, we, we hit on a lot of like, you know, football accomplishments, but obviously, you know, academics are just as important as, as the, the athlete part. So tell me like, what, what did you major in? What was academic life like? What was the school life like? Were classes hard? Would you find it easy? Uh, I went, so I, I graduated in the, this past December with supply chain uh, logistics, basically. And, um, School started off for me. It was it was hard because I didn't try. I put it like that. Uh, I was going to class, but I really didn't. It was everything that you learned. Like so, when you get to college, the first two years is everything that you learned in high school. So for me, I was like, I don't see why I'm learning all this stuff over again. So I really wasn't trying, which doesn't make sense now that I'm older and stuff. So uh, it was. It was just basically repeating itself, so I really didn't try. So then going into my junior senior year is like when I got into my my courses for my major, and that's when uh, I started like to get uh, entertained and stuff about my and start learning about my major and stuff. And I picked up my grades a lot more then. But school, I mean, you get out what you put in. Like you know, if you go to the weight room every day and all this, you'll see the see the game and stuff is. You gotta go study and stuff. They have study hall for us. Uh, depending on how good you do the previous semester, uh, they have to have to get them out like a certain amount of hours and stuff like that. So I mean, they give you the tools to you know, succeed and stuff. It's just up to you whether or not. And like I was saying, like you're not you're not at home anymore. Nobody can just babysit you, and um, nobody can babysit you to go to class or go study or anything. And the coaches, you know, they're worried. They're too much worried about. Depends on what the season is, you know, we might be in season, so they might be uh, game planning or something and out of season. You know, most of the time they're on trips, uh, recruiting and stuff, so you'll be in the weight room anyway, so you won't even see them. So you're really like, you know, on your own, 
out of season. So it just depends on you to do, you know, succeed and stuff. So we talk about your academics and we talk about, you know, what you, what you studied. Um, did you, you know, I read your NFL draft player profile. Did you think that there was a, a decent possibility that you may not have to go that route, that you might be able to go to the NFL? Oh, yeah. Um, there was a couple teams speaking to me uh, prior to the – well, after the draft about coming to mini camps and things like that. But once the virus hit, it just messed a lot of things up, you know, cut restriction off the free agents and things like that. So, as of right now, I'm just still training and uh, keeping my body right and just waiting for the next uh, – waiting for next spring so we can go back out to camp and things like that. All right, so that's what's up. So this this ain't over for you yet. Oh, no, not at all. Far from you better You better be hitting that weight room, though, you know, from this, you know, what you told me about, you know, back in the day. Don't don't be slacking on that weight room in this uh in this time off. Oh, no, uh, I've actually fell in love with the weight room since then. Uh, you know, I – it's uh that's why I pride myself in being a, a big physical DB and uh, being able to be fast with it as well. You know, uh, and at Southeast they actually had me in the box a lot, then going to be able to play slot receiving and things like that. So that's why I pride myself in being able to play anywhere. You know, uh, I see if you if you can be more um, valuable to the team, it's um, a countless amount countless amount of opportunities for you on the field. So. Are you uh are you training with a group of guys right now anywhere or anything? So uh, if I go to Louisiana, there's a uh, trainer that I go to uh, footwork. You know his name is Albert Brock, uh, a uh, AB Fitness, and then uh, here back at home I have uh, yoga uh, instructors named Jamal Knowles and his wife, and then for like my workouts and explosive work and things like that, it's a uh, his name is Shabazz, so uh, Team Shabazz, so. I have a, a plenty of resources to to get where I'm going. So I, if I don't make it, I feel like it'll be on me at this point. I got you. Hey, I like it, man. You you know putting it putting it in your own hands. It's up to your own self discipline. Right. right. That's all. Uh, that's all. So you know we're obviously talking about what you're doing training wise. What what else you got going on right now? So uh, I actually got me a job. I'm a supervisor at uh, Kellogg's. In the Memphis, the Memphis plant in Kellogg, so, so I work twelve hours a day, then go train. So if you know the football doesn't work out, which man, we feel like you know from everything we've heard from you, and then what people have told us and what we've read, feel like you have a right. definitely have a chance to go to the next level. But if it doesn't work out, I mean, you know, you're on your way to using you know what you went to school for. It seems like. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's a good thing about what my. My dad, he really, uh, he. I think that's the most thing I've ever like, seen him proud of, uh, me getting my degree and uh, being like me and being able to use it right now. I think that's like, uh, I haven't seen him that happy before. And I've done like, you know, countless amount of things in athletics, but seeing him, like just seeing him, how happy he was over my degree and like, being able to use it now, uh, it means a lot. So if anybody that's listening, uh, the quicker you get your degree, and be able to put it to use is uh it's gonna make your life a lot easier. That's what's up. So I mean, sounds like no matter what, you gonna you gonna be winning one way or another. Obviously, we'd like to see you win on win on both fronts. So paint that dream scenario for me. Like as far as football, man. Like how if you could if you could just pick 
you know, man, even tell me where you would go. Like, what would be the dream scenario? The dream scenario for me, uh, it would either be, I know if I were to go to the Steelers, that'd probably be, my family would probably, uh, they probably just, they probably moved to Pittsburgh right then. They can't make that drive every weekend. I think, I just think going to Pittsburgh, or really any team in general, and just like right now, just being realistic, how my view is, as long as I just get on, get on the roster, I can put my foot in the door. I know that I can display my talents to get on the field and be starting at, at any team. So uh, at this point, it's just working hard to get like just levels to it, just getting on the field and then get on the roster and then. Uh, might as well go to Cleveland. That's where all the people, <laughs> all the players from from Louisiana go. LSU North. Yeah. And not lying about that. Uh, so you know, uh, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about this. You know, college. I, I asked you about LSU. Did you did y'all play in? You know, I didn't look back to see where that was at. Was were you in Death Valley or were you at home? We played at Death Valley. And that's, oh, that's uh, what I wanted to know. So, what was it like stepping out on that field for a game? Like, just as soon as you step out there, it's like, it's surreal. Like, you can look up as high as you want, and it's still – all you see is just people. It, it's, it was it was absurd. Uh, I was actually a captain for that game. So, um, like, just hearing them do all the pregame chants and stuff like that, it was it, it kind of intimidating. Like, it was just so many people. And then on kickoff, you look up, and it says, Welcome to Death Valley. It's like – Man, it's like it's just crazy. And then um, you know, at night, especially, you know, the the environment then just gets crazy. It gets crazy. The bands the bands actually loud. And it's just so many people. Like I can't I can't like I can't put in the words view how many people it was, you know, like even during timeouts, like they'll just be talking and it's just still loud. You like you can it's just yeah. it's loud. I've been, I've been to my fair share of night games, of course, and that's why I was hoping, like I said, I didn't research it for the ass, but I was hoping that's where you played and then for you to tell me it was a night game. Um, and then, you know, I saw on that player profile that you you mentioned Devin White. You know, we had a conversation about it. But uh, right. tell me, as a, you know, as a guy who who plays on the field, tell, tell me what it was you said that made Devin White special to you. Just uh, like seeing Devin White, was, it was surreal, you know, like, you know, how you just look at people on TV and uh, you think like they're like just specimen or whatever, but then you get to see him. He, I mean, he, like if you didn't see him on the street, you'll probably like think he's a normal guy, but with those pads on, he's just, he's huge. He's, he's not the, the biggest guy, the tallest guy, but like just sideline and sideline, I I don't think he wasn't around the ball any, any snap. So he's just fast and physical and he understands he understands football, you know, uh, he's a smart player. And uh, I was like amazed just watching him how fast he was from sideline to sideline. I can't, like whether it was a receiver, running back, it, he was just around the ball 24-7. And just seeing that, like you can really appreciate football, like watching th- things like that. Man, that kind of brings everything full circle. And like when you, when you say you know your your dream is is still a reality, like you can you can step foot on the field of a, a pro football practice and move into a pro football game, and it's because you have those experiences against guys like him. And I'm sure there were guys at practice, you know, on a daily basis. And 
you know, it's, it's always fun to hear the stories of athletes that we bring on, even those that are, you know, still working their way through college and even some that are preparing for college. So, um, my, my hat's off to you, man. Keep, keep grinding, keep doing your thing. I know 2020 hasn't been the greatest, uh, for anybody. So, um, just stay positive and, you know, before we cut you loose, we want to play a little game. It's called this or that you down. Yeah, I'm down. Let's go. All right. So it's it's real simple. I'm going to give you two options. And the only rules are you can't say both and you can't say neither. You had to pick one. All right. All right. So this is a chance for the audience just to get a, a little lighter side of Trey and, and, and see what he's all about. So first one, would you rather have an interception for a TD or would you rather have a big hit and pick up a fumble and run it back for a TD? Why is that? They both the the result is both the same. Is it is it because you practice all the time and like your 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 main job is to to defend the pass and and when you intercept it that means like you've you're at the pinnacle of what you you are trying to accomplish. Um, most of the time, like if you get a a pick six, it's just you lock that defender down. You know, and like you just he can't say nothing to you after that no more until. So, so if you're in the first series of a game, you have a pick six. Is it like you, you're, you can just like look at the guy and say, you just run your mouth and talk a different way to him the rest of the game? The rest of the game, like he can't, he can't say nothing to me, like until until that next year when we play down at their house or something. So you can't say anything to me after that. That's how I see. It. All right, so. What it let's let's spin it a little bit. Same question, but you don't you you just have a just a normal interception and you you, you catch the ball, you fall down right there, or you you light somebody up and and causes a fumble. Which one of those two would you rather have happen? Oh, light somebody up. See, I I had a feeling like interceptions are great to an extent. I knew like hitting somebody had to had to rank somewhere in there. Oh yeah, hitting somebody is just uh especially like, you know, hearing the crowd make all the noise and stuff. It's just now nah, that's something different right there. So I always wondered this. Talk to me about hitting at practice. Cause like when I envision like these colleges practice, I don't see them as being very physical. But were were your practices physical? Were y'all throwing pads on and like lighting people up? Or was it very like, hey man, like we're at a point where we know all of this and we're gonna like kind of just be smart about how we practice? So it just depends on the uh, time of the year. So like if it's in season, we uh, we do something called thud and then uh, protect the team. So it's basically like you just get the contact and you just, uh, you know, just make contact, but don't take them to the ground. You don't go to the ground at all. But in spring, uh, we used to have, you know, thud. That's something like certain part of the practice is just to, you know, keep practice going. And then at the end is when you have, um, you know, your full out scrimmage kind of. So, from there, it's just all at loose. But you kind of like we have a rule protect the team. You know, some like some hits if uh, someone's come across the middle and uh, they're kind of defensive, you know, leave them alone. But they come across the middle catching the ball, it's just you better pray that they were in the weight room. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, so would you rather be funny or would you rather have good looks? <laughs> um. I rather. Have, <laughs> I think I have to have good looks. You can't. 
You can't be ugly on the football field. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, we have we have a lot. Most most of our guests are like, "Oh, I'd rather be funny." So it's no. like refreshing because I feel like the people who say they would rather be funny really they want to say good looks. They just think that it's it's better to say funny. So I I, I appreciate that because I think I I would want to I would want to have good looks too. So. Would you rather have friends or would you rather have money? Friends. Ooh. So we we <laughs> we have we have mixed mixed emotions about that. So like you're I think you're in the tier like age wise right below us. So like you're going to get away with that friends answer. But if you're in our tier, there's no way you're saying friends. You're going to say money. You're going to say pay them bills and you can buy some friends later. That, I was thinking that. I was thinking about that, but I guess how you say it right now, how, how I see it is I got a lot of brothers. So I guess I'll keep it up and down. Daniel, I got to yeah, throw, throw a fun one in there for him just because, you know, I've seen a couple pictures on social media this week and it goes with the money theme. Would you rather have that closet full of shoes I seen you post, or would you rather have the flashy car? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go with my shoes. I, I love my shoes. <laughs> Daniel, you gotta mom, see this, man. It it had it had a wall in the closet, probably like a hundred pair of shoes, every color. I, I mean, you couldn't not match. As long as I can get the point A and point B in the, uh, in some type of vehicle, uh, I'll be fine. But I can't have my shoes again uh, any type of way. Come on, man! You <laughs> can't be rocking good looks and fresh kicks and get out of a a Kia. Come on, man! Yeah, hey, I just park in the back. I'll, I'll... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Would you rather go back in the past or fast forward to the future? Go back in the past. All right. Would you rather have, if you had to choose one, would you rather have big teeth or a big nose? Teeth. I think teeth. Now, now is the time for folks that got big noses and big teeth because everybody's wearing masks. Cover that stuff up, man. You're good. Um, would you rather call or would you rather text? Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, man, golly, it just depends on the people. Some people just don't know how to stop. Uh. So I'll, I'll simplify it. I'll, I'll make it easier. Uh, Today, how many phone calls have you made as opposed to how many texts have you made? I guess you said I'll be a texter then. <laughs> yeah, I, see, I, I'm the opposite. I, I, I will text if I'm in a group text and that's what people are doing, but I would prefer to call. I'd rather just call right. and have my conversation and, and, and say what I got to say and be done instead of having to type all that junk. That's how I feel, but, you know, uh, some people just, they don't know how to, like my dad, for example, I love him to death, but once he gets going, you ain't stopping. And you'll sound, sound like somebody you know that might be me. Yeah. <laughs> You get it. You just get. You, I I know different topics. Like depending on how much how long I have on the phone, I know what I can say to Jim and what I can't say. Right. Uh, if it's a if it's a a short 
amount of time. I know I, I can't bring up a, a couple topics, right. but if, if I got some time, I know the topics that I can go to. So yeah, just got to be strategic on, on how I, I maneuver those conversations. All right, man, this is, this is the last one now. And this is, this is a big one. All right. Would you rather ask someone on a date through DMS or would you rather ask somebody on a date face to face? Oh, uh, I had to go DM. I had to go DM. What? All right. So, is <laughs> is it because let and and I bet that you you know you don't get a lot of no's, but is it right. easier to to receive a no through DM than it is face to face? I feel like it would be. I feel like that would be the the benefit to to the dm is that like if you if you get ignored or if you get a no like you're like all right no big deal but like a face-to-face -face, that's like man that's like hits you like, hard you know those moving and stuff growing up where like the people get rejected and stuff is like man like if i feel that i just know and i have felt that i'm like man i'm never i'm never doing it again <laughs> so i know so, so here's what i'll tell you all all the the female guests that we've had, we've we've asked this question to all guests. All the male guests say DMs except for one, and all the female guests have said face to face. So I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I could tell you what what the females want. It's it's right. up to you to 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 do it. So that's put it use. So so you know. That's all we got, man. Like this was this was a great night. Like this was a good way to kick off season two. Uh, before we let you out of here, anything you want to plug or promote? Like this could be your social media name. This could be just anything you're passionate about. You know what you got going on. You know, or just a simple message. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Kingspan. And uh, and then to you guys, I was gonna say uh, hats off to you guys for another season two uh, starting off and. Thank y'all for having me. I had a great time. Yeah, man. Hey, here's the deal. First and foremost, thank you. Keep your head up, man. Like, uh, it's crazy out there. So right. stay healthy, stay safe. And, man, my plan is to bring you back on and, and, and talk us through the, the whole process of, of getting picked up by, by an NFL team, man. That sounds like a different all right, so if there's anything oh, hopefully some saints though, Daniel. We want we want them in the black and gold. Hey, it, I, I don't I don't think Trey's gonna be picky. I think he'll take whatever team wants. <laughs> well he loves Louisiana, be. so it's a fit already. Hey. Just know you got two fans here, you know, whatever team you, you wind up on, man. But let, yeah, let us know if we can help you along the way. Um, you know, we're gonna let you bounce, go Go do what you got to do. Get ready for work or go hit them DMs, whatever, whatever <laughs> Trey's going to do for the night, man. Thank you for being here. And we're going to take a quick break. We're going to plug our sponsors. And when we come back, Jim and I are going to give you headlines. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. It's time for headlines. Jim, leading off tonight, we're going to talk Major League Baseball. And we are down the home stretch we're hitting the world series game one of the world series the dodgers and the rays tomorrow night um you know 
I, I mentioned it in the intro that this past weekend was it was a great weekend of, of sports and and Friday night was just uh, really what started it all the Rays made it interesting but they they did what they needed to do they they won game seven um, and, and punched their ticket to the World Series so I'm looking forward to this World Series um, game one just looking at the matchups you got game one glass now versus Kershaw could you pick any better of a matchup no you couldn't and Gary Parrish talked about it today right like and even for you as a Tampa Bay fan you don't want to see Kershaw just suck right like you'd rather you'd rather Tampa Bay win but not because Kershaw just came in and absolutely got rocked because the guy is actually a guy of great character and he's a phenomenal pitcher and so you hate seeing him have such a bad reputation in the playoffs, right? I'd rather, you know, for the sake of the argument, you know, him give up a you know, just one run to a, you know, a Rosarina bomb or something, and that, that might be the difference. I don't want to see him come in and give up six runs in the first couple of innings because, one, that makes for a bad game. But, two, I just feel like he, he doesn't deserve that because right now his reputation is that he can't get it done when it matters. Well, I, I think the the good thing is is that if if you remember back when the Rays were finishing up with the Yankees, so game seven was Garrett Cole coming back, and that was you know that was the big headline like you wanted to beat that guy, but it was hard to know that you had to beat Garrett Cole. Um, you know, I think the same for Kershaw. Like, it's 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 great, and it'll be a great game if he pitches well. And what'll really be even even more fun is if you got to come back and beat him again. Which, I mean, given the 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 way the series are going, like these guys that are pitching game one, you're going to see them again. Right. Um. You know, and it it may be on short rest, but you know, because it may be for to win the series or it may be to, to, to keep your, your team in it. So I'm excited. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I didn't get a chance to see a whole lot of the, the Dodgers Braves games, but um, as far as matchups go, I, I think at this point, it, it really doesn't matter who, who you play. The, the matchup is going to be tough. I mean, to get here, to get to this, this point in the season, you're good top to bottom you hit it you put the ball in play um i'll say the one thing that concerns me about the rays and and they've yet to really figure it out is they strike out a lot uh they're relying on home runs and luckily last the last game they had home run with guys on base so that's helpful but it it's definitely not like the the recipe to win to win it all you got to have you got to have hits with guys in positions and it doesn't always have to be home runs base hits doubles you know work just as well um but when we talk about predictions you know for this world series you know who you got jim well before i get into the prediction because i did watch a lot of the atlanta la series you know and we talk about the kershaw thing man uh you know tampa is known for their bullpen but julio urias for the dodgers um I mean, the dude is having the most incredible postseason coming in from the bullpen. He's got – I can't remember what it was. He's got like three or four wins, man. Like, he's been an absolute stud. And so, you know, I say the comments about Kershaw, 
but you actually, man, you actually want to get to the starters if, you know, a guy like him, he only pitch so much, obviously, but, you know, three or four games he's coming in and he's just absolutely lights out. I mean, he retired like nine straight the other night. Um, I mean, just being clutch when you need him. And so uh, that that's just something to keep an eye on since you didn't get to watch much of that series. Um, he's, he's a good story, even though I'm not a Dodgers fan. I do like to see a young guy um, who's battled through injuries and whatnot be successful. Um, but as far as the series overall, all right, so first of all, you got the two best records, right? So we got the two best teams. Would you not agree? Yeah. I mean, over the course of the season, you, you know, record wise and just, yeah. Yeah. You got the two best teams. So uh, I asked that because the, it feels the like they're playing and hottest team in the playoffs, but you got two teams that have figured out how to win and, They've been winning from start to finish. So, yeah, I, I would say you, you got the best matchup that you could possibly have for, for this World Series. Right. So, I asked that because it feels like you can't go wrong with your pick, right? Like, um, obviously, we know who me and you want to win. But it feels like with these two teams, you know, anybody who picks one way or the other, you can't be like, you're crazy. Like, so, I feel like – you can go either way with it, but because of the arms of Tampa Bay, I like them a little bit better than the Dodgers. But I will say, you know, clearly the Dodgers got some scary guys in that lineup. And uh, another thing, I know you at least saw highlights defensively. Um, you know, talk about a guy who's making his money. Did you see Mookie Betts rob that home run that might have been the difference in game six? Yeah. Um, I mean, the guy's getting paid a ton, and he's earning his money. Yeah, so uh, I mean, you got star. You definitely got the star power. We knew that on the on the LA side, but you know, we'll see what happens. But I just Tampa analytically, we've talked about it, chemistry, and I think there's something to say about blowing that that three zero lead, and then being able to come back together and find it, you know, within themselves to win game seven. I mean, that talks about mentally tough, right? And so I think now that they got through that, they're even stronger. You know, some people would say, you know, they're suspect, but I think that makes them even stronger coming this because there really isn't nothing that can scare them. And they've, when it's came to their backs against the wall, they know how to get it done. And so I'm going to take the race. I'm going to say that this thing, you know what? I'm going to say it goes to seven, man. I just think these two two teams are so good. It's hard for me to say it would go sooner than that. So you're talking about these pitchers getting a chance at it again. They're undoubtedly, in my mind, going to get a chance again. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, here, here's the only the only thing that I'll say is if if Snell can have a gem of a game, he you might see a. a a five-game, six-game series with Especially the Rays with like pitching, right? And that's that's the thing. That's what I was going to go into. You got Glass now, who's project, who's going to start game one. You got Snell, who's projected to start game two, and that's all that they have listed so far. But you know, you would think that Charlie Morton would be the game three starter, or you know, they might put Yarbrough in and see if they can sneak one out, and then put Charlie Morton in just to say hey we we know he's a big game guy and he's going to close it out for us but 
Um, those four arms, I think, have been very good. The bullpen itself has been good, um, you know, at times shaky. But Kevin, Kevin Cash has, has been very vocal in the fact that he has two, two relief sets. He has an A set and a B set. And the A set is the one he uses when you're winning games. And the B set is the one that you use when you're losing games. So he's stuck to that the entire year. It's worked. So I'll be interested to see if he, when all the marbles are on the table, if he continues that um, or if he, he mixes it up. But, you know, e- either way, I'm looking forward to a, a long, deep series. I'll, I'll take the Rays in six. Um, I just think. You know, they know what they got to do. They got to cut down on strikeouts and get a couple more hits with guys in position. I think that's a lot easier of a task um, than it is for the Dodgers to tackle and hit on a consistent basis the arms that they're going to be seeing. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm with, I've been with you. I've said this every episode. I've been with you the whole way. Um, you sold me on them. You clearly did not sell, sell me on rotten goods. You sold me on the good stuff, and here we are in the World Series, and I'm not going to sway differently now. Yeah, I mean, we, we've been on this ride together, so we got to finish it up and see what happens. So, you know, with, with baseball coming to a close, next next episode we might be talking, you know, uh, a World Series, you know, a final game or a winner. Um, we'll see. I, I think, you know, the schedule, you know, in the in the divisional games, it had them playing um, every day. Um, but let's look at the schedule. It has them Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So, so we'll get know, to see multiple arms multiple times this time around. We won't have an issue. Yeah, I mean, it, there there will be days off in between. So your game one starters, you'll probably see again. Possibly game four, game five, Saturday or Sunday. So, you know, it, it'll all depend, obviously, on, on what the – Like like you said about the Rays, like, right, so you should see Glass now, Morton, and Snell all twice, really. If Snell pitches well and you want to throw him out there. Or, I mean, I guess that goes for all of them just on how they do. But, I mean – you would assume those three guys would all go twice with, with the days in between. Yeah, what's what's funny to me is that when you throw Charlie Morton game three and he's your best, that means that you're hoping he'll pitch again on a game on a game seven. So instead of pitching him on Wednesday game two and knowing he's going to come back you 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 have to you have to either win it early or you got to hope that that you can stay in it for him to get that so you know but it it may not be that easy I mean he, he just pitched um Friday night so he may not be ready to go until um until next Friday so but we'll see I I, I got the Rays in six um if I wouldn't be surprised if we see seven games. So, so mo- moving along, man. You know, it, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough not to talk about baseball. We got one more week. You know, I think the next podcast will have some baseball, but NFL is where we're gonna be spending a lot of our time on. So let's let's move there. Let's talk about our COVID updates. Um, 
we had uh we had the bills and the the chiefs today that was uh a, a, a second monday night game the early game we got the cowboys and, and the cardinals now and it seems like they're moving forward with covid protocols as if they're just going to play the games and if you if you got it then we're going to isolate you and we're just going to try to move on without you um, we're trying to relocate the game and get it scheduled, uh, you know, and push it back to give teams practice. But um, I, I could easily see, you know, more more games, and that we're we're very early in the season. I could still see more games being affected by this as the season goes along. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. What you got to hope it's not the same teams, right? Because they can't afford to they don't have any more bye weeks or a way to flex their games. So, and then also, I guess with that, you got to hope it ain't teams that have already been on bye. Like, so the Packers, for instance, right? Like it can't be them. That's, that's what you got to hope for. I mean, honestly, I you know, Daniel, I get, they say they can't move the date to the playoffs and everything, but can't you really, I mean, like, I, I feel like anything can possibly done. And then, you know, John Martin was talking about on local sports radio, and I think he's 100% right about something. Don't you think with what they've learned from baseball and hockey, or not baseball and hockey, but NBA and hockey, you obviously with all the teams right now, you couldn't do a bubble. But when you get to the playoffs, couldn't you pick two locations, one for the AFC and one for the NFC? And that way you can assure that nothing happens, no breakouts during the playoffs? Yeah. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is for a, a team to have, like, I mean, you could just make it easy on it. Like, let's say Patrick Mahomes gets COVID and in a divisional playoff game, and they lose. Like, everyone is going to to leave that to the fault, but all, at the fault, but also. If you're a fan, don't you want to see the best players play? So the the bubble scenario would be great. I don't know how they would would manage multiple games on the same field, uh, you know. Well, you're familiar with Dallas, obviously, because um, you, you went down there for the, the Cotton Bowl, and that was one of the places, for instance, like John mentioned. Um, the way it's centrally located, the way it is, easy access – um, a lot of a lot of hotels and, and things just right around it. Like Dallas could be one of your possible places. Obviously, like you said, it makes things hard as far as scheduling, but we just watched two other professional, you know, sports do it. Obviously, there's more players in football, more personnel. But to your point, I mean, if Patrick Mahomes wasn't playing and your team beat them, would you even want it? I don't think these players would even want it. Man, that's, that's when the asterisk comes up next year your title nobody wants that they want to win it knowing that they beat the best and so that's probably what fears me more than anything I don't I don't fear the regular season I think some way somehow they'll find a way and if they had to to move games back or the playoffs back they would if they had to but it fears me most there being a breakout come playoff time yeah and I, as more fans enter the stands and as we enter the the cooler months of the year I mean I the it would just make sense that the bubble would be the best. We know it works, but I don't. I just don't know if the NFL is gonna gonna go that route. I think they're gonna leave it to chance and 
try to make as much money as they can because I'm sure like doing a bubble is probably, there's gotta be a monetary hit that you take um, by not being able to have the coverage and the access that you typically would for a, a any game, much less a, a big playoff game. So, um, you know, looking back on this past week, Jim, who, who are your winners? So we'll start there. Cause there's, there's some bad in there, but let, let's start with your winners. Who are your winners? Uh, right off the, right off the top, it's gotta be the Titans, right? Like I watched that game and yeah, the Texans aren't a very good team, but finding a way to come back and win that game and stay undefeated, that that's got to be one. And I, I, mean, I don't want to say I'm all, I don't know where all you're going, but I, so I'll just hit a couple. Um, I, w- I won't touch the one team I know you're going to say. I'll, I'll let you have that team that resides in the NFC South. Um, but it's got to be the Steelers. You know, I, they, they remain undefeated, and they did it convincingly. They made my boys from the, uh, the LSU uh, North look really, really bad. And then – uh, you know, there's so much bad football this week. Like that's why I got caught up because I I was thinking because I was actually thinking more about how many how many uh bad games there were. Um, you know that there was there was the Tennessee Houston game, but then you know a couple of the games that I was looking forward to. Um, th- th- this wasn't the the prettiest week in NFL football. Would you not agree? Yeah, I mean, the I think some of the games ended up being a lot better than we thought they would be score-wise, but, like, they definitely, like, when you looked at the slated, slated games, you weren't like, oh, I can't, I can't wait to watch the Texans play the Titans, you know? Um, but for, for me, I mean, I would say definitely there, there's two big winners this week. The, the first one being the, the Bears. Like, I don't know how they're five and one. I, I just don't. I, I watched that game actually was happened to be one of the games that I, I got um, in the, the early session. And like, they didn't do anything special. They don't. Nick Foles didn't look spectacular, but somehow like they, they win the game. And, you know, I, I'm still baffled on how they're doing that and how they're five and one. And and I I feel like um, we should see, we keep saying, Oh, just wait, they're going to, they're going to turn a corner. They're going to start losing games, but now we're six weeks in and they're five and one, which is probably if you told a bears fan, they were going to be five and one, they wouldn't have believed you. So I mean, I thought they proved a, a big point this week because, you know, after they, after they won last week against the Bucks. You know, a lot of people want to say more that was on the Bucks instead of giving the Bears credit, and then here we are, they're winning again. And I mean, you're in the National Football League, five and one is five and one. Yeah, and you know, I'm, the next winner of the week is you know, and you did save it for me, the the Bucks, and I don't think necessarily they're the winner of the week because uh, they beat the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers played a terrible game, and I think you know he as much as I dislike Aaron Rodgers, I think he summed it up really well by saying, Hey, like we, we have some stinkers like every now and then, like I'm human. I have a bad game. And I think this was one of them, but for the bucks, it, it was a game to me that they had to win to prove that they were 
they had it in them to be the team that they're expected to be. And if you want to win it all and win a championship, you have to beat teams like the Packers. You just, you just, well, I think it was a big game because the, you know, the defense showed before the season, there was talks that this defense could be really good. And it showed that it can be really good because man, to get Aaron Rodgers that frustrated and flustered to where even, you know, I mean, he started making bad throws because it just seemed like his timing and rhythm was off because the defense had messed him up so bad. So I thought it was big because the defense showed the possibilities of how good they could be because we know what the offense can do. Right. So that, that was what I got from that. Yeah. And when, when we talk about the bad for this week, I mean, you could point your, your finger at a lot of people. Currently the team that's playing right now is, is just bad. Like, uh, we we had we were talking you know off air about you know Dak and and how and was he happy you know or did he want Dalton and those guys to do well or was he like oh yeah like they're struggling like I am the guy I'm the guy that keeps this ship moving like you know and I think when I when I think about Dak and how he he didn't get paid but he's trying to get paid. I think this is what has to happen in order for him to get his money. Because if Andy Dalton goes out there and just does what Dak has been doing, then it's like, well, what do we need him for? And why are we going to pay him all this money when we could get somebody like Andy Dalton to do it, you know, just as good for cheaper. Right. Um, And I'll tell you this as far as, and this doesn't help Andy Dalton at all. You know, y'all lose Zach Martin to start this game. Man, yeah. I mean, losing your your best offensive lineman on top of losing your quarterback, I mean, does it get worse? Well, I mean, our whole offensive line is gone. I mean, Right, like, yeah. And he, I mean, he was the last member, and he was the best of them. And so it just – it was the last dagger to throw. You know, and they're, they're showing a glimpse of Jerry Jones and, and, and Steven – Jones there and that's they're just shaking their head but like there's nobody to blame but themselves like this is this is the product that they're they're paying for so um you know it's it's disappointing so I would say you know you could once again going back to the original thought was you could point your finger at the bad at being a lot of things you could point it at the Cowboys you could point it at the Packers um you know but I'm gonna point it you know really at two people the Vikings the Vikings give up a loss to the the a team, the Falcons, who just got their first win, who didn't even have a head coach. They have an interim head coach. And the interim head coach was the Bucks head coach and was terrible. Um, and then I'll also point my finger not so much at the Jets team because we know they're terrible, but the, the, the Jets management. Like, how does how does Gase still have a job? Like, I, I just – I don't understand. And then he's got his – his coordinators, you know, throwing him under the bus and him having to like chastise them like like children, but they the Jets are floundering and maybe that's just par for the course for them. But the, those are the two that I would say are are are, are get my stamp of approval for being bad. This so week. you you so forgot one, and I can't believe you didn't hit on it just for an opportunity to to hit me in the gut, man. Those Browns looked atrocious, specifically the head one in Baker Mayfield. 
And this is where you get scared, right? When you have the personalities like OBJ and Jarvis Landry, you know, my LSU boys, um, and you play so terrible like he did, they were showing their frustration clear as day on the sideline. I mean, he – I mean, they were they were talking about – I mean, his passes were, were not even close. They were, they were so, you know, telegraphed like – he didn't look comfortable at all, and it wasn't because of pressure. He just – I don't know, man. And, and it left a lot of people questioning, can he really lead this team, you know, into a, into a playoffs? And, you know, but for me, like I said, when you start getting those guys who, you know, you shouldn't act that way, but they do, and they're divas, and you start getting them frustrated like that, um, it's going to be very problematic. And so he's – Baker Mayfield's got to find it within himself to be – better if the Browns want to be anything but it wasn't just that he looked bad or they looked bad like I mean they got absolutely thrashed and you know four and two is their record but I mean you, you can't feel good going forward and then the the team that I want to ask you about um you can't just say like they were the worst but um you know, they played before earlier today before this game did the Bills just run into a really good Titans team? And then, of course, the defending champions and the Chiefs, or should we be concerned? So let me, let me start with the Browns first. So I, I didn't put the Browns as a bad because I think they played a really good team. And I, I think everybody has sold the Steelers short. Um, but I think now they're starting to realize, oh, wow, they, you know, Mike Tomlin is the guy that, he is because he knows how to coach football. Now they got their quarterback back and they're, they're doing things. So I think Mike I would, Tomlin, he's probably been my, my favorite coach, honestly. And I, you know, he took so much heat for, for Le'Veon and Brown, but I mean, he's a no nonsense guy. He doesn't want that in his locker room. And like you said, now that guys are healthy and now that they've gotten rid of, you know, those kind of, those kind of characters, look, they're, you know, like you said, they're rolling. Yeah, and, you know, going back to the Bills, I here's what I'll say is that you, you're you realizing who the best teams are in, in the AFC for sure. I would still consider the Bills one of the top teams in the AFC. Now, are they the best team in the AFC? Um, it's probably not. I mean, you got – you got, well, the team that we've just been talking about, the Steelers, who to me are, are still, you know, they're, the jury is still out on them. I think they're a good team. But um, with, with the Steelers, you also got the Ravens. And the Ravens, you got the Chiefs. And the Chiefs, you know, you got the Titans. So all these teams that were, that were teams that, you know, playoff teams last year, it's just a matter of, who's gotten a little bit better. And I don't necessarily think the Chiefs have gotten any better. I think they've just always been really good. I think the Titans have really gotten better, but the Bills have not gotten better. They've stayed the same. So a good team staying good, but now a good team in the Titans improving and being a little bit better than good so like I think that's what the Bills are running into so yeah, well the Bills got a lot so, of injuries on defense I think what's bothered me is Josh Allen in those first four games was a legitimate MVP candidate along with Russell Wilson and then these last couple of games he's been very pedestrian and you know that that was the key for the Bills right going back to last year's playoffs he was going to have to take the next step and it looked like he was taking it 
And here these last couple of games, he's taken that step back. And so, um, you know, their defensive players will come back. They'll get healthy. But he's got to, he's got to be better. Well, if you're if you're de- like it's it's like what comes first, the chicken or the egg, and if if your defense is good and they're not giving up as much points, that means you don't necessarily have to score as many points to win a game. So maybe the defense is giving up just a little bit more points. Josh Allen's still playing the same. But because the defense is giving up more points, like he has to score more points. He's just not doing it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that the defensive end is, is probably a huge factor. Um, I think also Josh Allen is a young quarterback trying to get better. Um, not everybody is a, a Mahomes. Not everybody is a young dude that just gets it and goes out there and just more talented than than anybody else. So. Um, I mean, you, you look at the the other end of the spectrum at Ryan Tannehill. Like, the guy was, for all intents and purposes, he was forgotten about and was basically written off as being good. The Titans signed him, and everyone thought that was a mistake. And then here he is. He's, like, you know, doing big things. I will say it helps to have the back that he has. Um, but, you know, it's that's no fault of his. He can't help it uh, – for having a good back and I'm sure he's appreciative of that, but he's, he's taken advantage of. of well, and he needed uh, to take the next step because you saw what happened last year when things started to get into a shootout, it was a problem. He's going to have to be able to throw like he's throwing right now. As good as Derrick Henry is, this is a different NFL. Um, you know, we talked about with Carlson last week when we were talking about Baltimore, you can't be one dimensional in today's NFL. You got to be able to do both and Tennessee is doing both and doing both well. Yeah, so let, let's take a look at next week's games. Um, you know, and you, you tell me what games you're excited for and which ones you you are not excited for. So we'll start with the not-so-excited games first. I would say um, the very first game, Thursday night, Giants and Eagles. <laughs> Man, hey, that might be the – the battle for who's going to win the AFC – I mean, the NFC East, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, the, the the winner of that game will be tied for first place with the Cowboys, who's going to lose this game and be two and four, which is just ridiculous. So Yeah, no, but that's – I mean, you're right. That's – the only thing that's appealing is that is a divisional game, and there are a lot of fans in those fan bases, and – the good news is for those fan bases, somebody's got to win, right? On a normal week, those teams don't win. So um, somebody's going to get a W against a division rival. So for those fans of those teams, that's a good matchup. But um, for us, yeah, we we don't care. I I won't be tuning in, especially – I don't know. You, you read off that uh, baseball schedule. Did you say there was a game on Thursday night? You remember? You got to look it back up. No, I think it's there's no game on Thursday. Oh, because if it Friday. was between the World Series and that lineup, I don't care if football is king. Not in that case. So, um, no, I mean, I, I got. I think I got plans on going to bed early that night. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even. I don't even think I got any fantasy players. Like, I don't even have one even sliver of a reason to watch that game. So, yeah, that was bad. Um, so, as as- so let's let's do this, and I'll I'll run through the slate of games. You just tell me if you're 
excited or not so much. So then Sunday's slate of games, Cowboys at Washington. I mean, I'm interested just because I want to see if the Cowboys get better, right? Because somebody's got to represent the division like we were talking about. And I still Bro, think it's I, them. I'm a, Cowboy, I'm a Cowboys fan, and I'm not interested in that game. I, only, I need to. I need to see if they can. Ta- I, I believed in Dalton. I, I, you know, after watching this game, I don't. But maybe, just maybe, it's just the first game. Maybe next game he comes out. Of course, if he does it against Washington, how much does that actually prove? Right. So that's that's your problem there. Um, but maybe that's what he needs. It's just a a, a Washington. Well, in the, in the current game, he just threw a touchdown that was in garbage time, but. Maybe you you end this game well for as bad as it was, and then you play a Washington and you play well, and you're right. Like you know, I don't know. You you talk about the glass is half full, right? We got to find something there. But I mean, I won't be watching it because the Saints are on. So really, really, I wouldn't be watching it. So let's let's talk about the the play that just happened, and and for our listeners, it was you know two minutes fifty seconds left to go in the game. The Cowboys are down by a, a million points. They're on the, the six-yard line or four-yard line, and they opt to throw the ball instead of run the ball. And to me, that's worrisome. Like, you're calling a pass play for a guy who's thrown picks all night. You know, the only thing that I can think of is you're forcing the guy to throw the ball and, and try to have when you we're talking about building confidence for him with the game that Zeke's had, you almost would rather get Zeke to touchdown because you need his confidence back. Well, and he's going to win you the games. If, if Dalton's going to turn the ball over two or three different times a game, like, like that's the guy who's going to have to be the horse and he's the one. And, and I, I hate to say this, but he's the guy that you paid the money to. You didn't pay your quarterback, but you're going to pay your running back, which is fine. Then make him earn his paycheck. All right. So, you know, just going back to the, the games again, you got the, the Raiders and the Bucks to the Sunday night game. You got I, think the that's the, I think that's the best game of the week. I think – I mean, you're talking about the Raiders coming off the win over Kansas City and the Bucks coming off the win over Green Bay, right? So, basically, you you could argue that the two best teams in football um, were just beat by these two teams. And so, who's going to keep the momentum going, right? And so, um, the one advantage for the Raiders is, you know, they are coming off a of bye week, so they got an extra week for, for preparation. And they are at home, not that um, – home field is much right now, but they do have a little bit of advantage. But I think to me, that's, I know we're talking about the bad games, but that game's excellent. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. 820 game West coast in Vegas. Um, you know, I, I, we're definitely tuning in for that one. You got the lions and Falcons, which I don't care about. You got the Browns and the Bengals, which I don't care about. Um, but here, here's going to be the game that everyone's going to look for: Steelers five and zero, Titans five and zero. That's going to be a, that's going to be a legit game, um, and I think we're going to find out how good either one of those teams really are. Um, yeah, if I mean, that a, game's still going to be on my iPad. Two five and zero teams or not, because some Saints are getting the big TV, but it will be on no uh, doubt. Well, the Saints got a got a, a 
not a must win game, but it's a, it's three and two Panthers versus three and two saints. Like that's, or three and three Panthers versus three and two saints. That's, that's a win that the saints have to have to, to keep pace with the bucks. Well, and it's a fun storyline because you got Teddy Bridgewater for his first time against the saints. So that's good. You obviously have the storyline of Michael Thomas and, you know, for as much as I complained about our fantasy football trade and getting CMC and having to wait, you know, there was original talks that, you know, he might be back this week. I mean, as a Saints fan, I guess I should be rejoicing that he's not back because, I mean, he could possibly be a game changer. So, um, but, you know, a lot of different things to look for in that. He said um, the Saints and the Bucks. I don't feel like there's any game um, they could take for granted at this point because those two are going to be competing for that division. Yeah. If that it, it, you can believe that if you want, but I think the Saints Saints got some work to do. I think you know. I think their whole division's got work to do. The Bucks, to me, like still like they played really well. But I, the, let's not forget opening weekend they played the Saints and got beaten and looked pretty bad in defeat. So that Bears um, game too. But I mean. Yeah, you always feel good when you see glimpses of what they can be. And that's why I'm not, you know, I've been worried about the Saints, but I'm not like just DEFCON 5 because I've seen flashes of what I know they are. And so I've seen flashes of what I know they are and what the Bucks are. And I know that these two teams are legit. And if they tighten the screws, nobody's going to want to want to play them for sure. So you, you asked earlier if the Bills, if we had something to worry about. So I'm going to say, you know, I, I, I said no. I just think they need to improve because the other teams around them are improving. Um, but I will say if they lose to the Jets this week coming up, like <laughs> then we can have that conversation. So no, that, got, that, talk about a good time for about, you know, you play two undefeated teams. Um, yeah. Talk, or not. Well, I guess she's undefeated, but um you know, top top tier and defending champ. It's a it's a good bounce back game to get to play the Jets for sure. Absolutely. And then you got Packers and Texans, which whatever. Seahawks and Cardinals. That might be a fun game. That's a good game because the Cardinals are moving to four and two. Yeah, good good for them. Good for the Cardinals. Um, Chiefs and Broncos, 49ers, Patriots, Jags, and Chargers with the Monday night of the Bears and Rams. The five and one Bears, four and two Rams. I mean, it might not be a, a terrible game, but definitely not like a game where we're gonna have it on like we do now. But I mean, it's a it's a big game for both those the Bears because they are in a division with the Packers and they can keep a hold of that division currently if they win the game. And then for the Rams, you know, for as much as us talking about the NFC South and the AFC East need improvements, the NFC West, all the teams are over five hundred. So um, it's imperative that, you know, you really win games in that division because there's no margin for error. I mean, all the, all the teams are good. The, the 49ers, you know, found their footing this week. And then obviously with the Rams and Arizona at 4-2 and two, and then Seattle at the top at 5-0, and oh, like uh, the Rams need that game. The Bears need that game. It's Monday Night Football. I expect a, a good matchup. Yeah, I mean, as far as Monday goes, it's it record-wise, I think it's it'll be a decent game. It'll be competitive, and we'll see. Um, we'll we'll see if those those records indicate 
the game being a good game or if the the feeling about both of those teams is what, what we thought it was, is that they're just an okay team and it'll be just kind of a black kind of game. Um, transition into fantasy football, it's been – I don't know. It's been, you know, kind of a, 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 I got three leagues, uh, well, really two leagues. One of the leagues, COVID and injuries have been a plague, and I'm just kind of like over it. Um, one league I'm, I'm going to win, and the other league I'm going to lose this week. Um, the league that I'm going to lose is, is the one that we'll, we'll spend the time talking about is and that's that's the one that you you believed I was going to lose anyways. So we'll just start with that. And you know, I but just not quite enough. I think Tom Brady, the quarterback, needed to do a little more. Um, you know, I, I did pick up Cole Beasley with your help. You know, your guidance, um, but. You as well as I, you know, having having Stefan Diggs and then having another receiver from the same team, it's it's very like that's a that's a gamble move, but it it paid off. They they played well. I think Chris Godwin and Tom Brady, you know, is is what hurt because I I had Dak and Dak, you know, not putting up thirty points for you really was the determining factor because for me this week I. I'm going to lose by 18 points. So, you know, it is what it is. But, I mean, I think I'll still be sitting pretty good. I'll be sitting in the top six somewhere. But um, there's always next week. But for you, Jim, like who are some of your hot players and who are some of your not hot players? Um, well, first let me start with that team you were playing to, to hit on the whole hot thing. You know, I didn't think you were going to win because, you know, we got one female in our league, and Crystal said she likes podcasts, so we'll, we'll find out right now if she's listening. But she has the most points in the league, the entire league, and she's sitting at one and four. Just talk about having bad luck. And so she was a favorite coming into this week, you know, as she's been most weeks, and her, her team actually, you know, even though, you like you said, you're a struggle of it, but her team got it done. And honestly, I would have preferred you to win because with as good as her team is, like, I'd rather her not, you know, find her way into the playoffs. But, I mean, there's still a lot of season left to go. So, um, she can get it done. And that was the only reason I picked that. It had nothing to do with your, your team. But to answer your question, um, we'll start in that Bucks game. Um, we were messaging real time. Anybody who has the stones to play the Bucks defense against Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if you applaud them or tell them they're insane and got lucky, but um, the Tampa Bay defense got 26 points. Um, and then to stay with that game, uh, Jones got 26 points. You know, as a running back who's, you know, not your, your top tier. So that was a big deal. Um, I know for you, the one guy who was a standout, and I really like him, in, you know, so far and going forward, A.J. Brown, you know, I mean, in that when we're talking about Tannehill, isn't it? I mean, isn't a part of it, you can say, I mean, he's got an elite guy, a guy, he may be young, but wouldn't you say A.J. Brown has already proven himself to be an elite guy? Yeah, I mean, when you, 
you, he's out of the lineup and then immediately comes back and it makes a big impact. So, yeah, I think, you know, he, he right now, if you looked at fantasy and determined whether he was elite or not, like he's elite. Like he's one of the top receivers in the league for fantasy. Right. And then for my team, man, hey, I mean, I was wondering even if he was healthy, if I was going to play him, was Julio Jones. And I was like, I can't not play Julio Jones. And glad I did not play him. I mean, my man got, you know, 35. I mean, well, welcome back to, you know, your your top-tier wide receiver status, at least for a week. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. Uh, Henry. I knew, I knew there was somebody that was leaving off, right? Derrick Henry, absolute monster. 268 yards, multiple touchdowns. He was a monster. Um, I mean, I don't think I can think of anybody who just had a – Monster, monster game. Uh, just giving a quick glance, real quick. Yeah, I think I, I think I hit most of them. Is there anybody you can think of that I missed? Um, I mean, other than like oh, the, the, Justin Jefferson, forty yeah, points. I, My bad. Yeah. Who else? There was another. Justin Jefferson had a forty-point game, and I want to say there was another, maybe big time. 40-point game. You know, my nephew, while you're thinking about it, my nephew Ryan messaged me earlier, and he said, would you – Derrick Henry was the guy. Uh, he had a big game. So Yeah, I mentioned him. I said he had 268 yards, uh, all-purpose. All um, Ryan asked me, would I rather have Jefferson or OBJ or Landry? And I said, Jefferson. And, you know, he was like – you know, has he really established himself yet? And, you know, it's only, you know, five games. But for what he's done in the five games, and then when you're talking about attitude of the other two versus him, I would say go ahead and give me Justin Jefferson. And you're talking about a guy who was, a you know, a two-star, um, you know, barely even found himself to LSU. Even when he was at LSU, projections were very low. Gets himself drafted in the first round, and I feel like, He's got he's got a great combination because if you watch him play, he has fun, but he also has the chip on his shoulder. He's a good combination of a guy I'd want on my team. And uh, I think Justin Jefferson, man, when you look at what him and then Clyde had uh, 160 something yards rushing today, and then you look at Patrick Queen and you look at Joe Burrow, it's not a fluke that LSU did what they did last year. These guys are balling. Oh yeah, and they're a lot of them are. are making impacts, you know, just like we're talking about today at a, at the highest level. So, yeah, I mean, Jefferson's definitely a good pickup. I mean, as far as who is throwing them the ball between OBJ and, and, and him, um, it's pretty much the same. You got gunslingers that are going to be throwing the ball. They're going to throw some interceptions. They're going to make some mistakes. I think, um, you know, with the exception of last, last week, you know, it's um, Minnesota's played below expectations and the Browns have played above expectations. So it'll be interesting to see, but, you know, I think, I think we've, we've beat up football, both, you know, real football and fantasy football, but let's, let's transition. We haven't talked much about college basketball. Um, and, and really the, the only one thing that I, I, I want to talk about, and it's only because it's been, um 
relevant in, in Memphis radio and that's that's Memphis they they put out their or their schedule and at least their preseason their preseason tournament uh, well not preseason tournament they're opening that that first tournament that they're playing in the bad boys mowers tournament um, and they're opening it up with Ohio State would you say that's a good opener, would you rather see, you know, a, a couple like gimme games and then move into that? Or you just say, hey, let's rip the Band-Aid off and let's just see how good these guys really are. I mean, I like it right out the gate. And, you know, you have guys in your team this year with some experience, right? And so with with Boogie and Lester and – uh Alex and, and DJ, these guys, they should have enough experience to where they shouldn't just be scared or nervous going into a big game like that right out the gate. Um, you got some guys who can lead. And then when you add the talent of the freshmen coming in, I mean, we got the number three recruiting class in the country. And then I think Penny's approach, right? So uh, one of the things that they've talked about on local radio is – Penny and the guys aren't doing any talking, right? They're not clapping this year, talking about they want all the smoke. They realized how that worked out last year. So this year, they want to prove it on the court instead of talking about it. And I think when you've got some veteran guys plus the talent you're adding in, um, there's a good chance that this turns out a lot better than last year. And, you know, not to move past that first game, but one of the things they talked about, the, the beauty of that tournament, Daniel, every game you advance, you're going to get another ranked team. And – Talk about just really being battle tested out the gate. This is an this is an opportunity for Memphis, a, a really good opportunity. Yeah, when I when I look at that that tournament, I don't look at anybody that, that's like barn burners. Like there's some good teams, and I look at the teams and know that they're very well coached. But I look at teams that when you look at the NCAA tournament and you talk about teams that go far and they go into the second round and you're like man like how did they do that like all the teams in this tournament are those type of teams you're looking at at memphis you're looking at ohio state you're looking at creighton dayton texas a&m west virginia um you know some some really like big time big time teams that you know have potential in them to make a run so i agree um I you know, it's funny. I just thought about it when you said West Virginia, Daniel, for Penny, man. Hey, if they meet West Virginia and Bob Huggins, I mean, Huggins used to coach against Penny when he played, when he was at Cincinnati against Memphis. How funny is that? Oh, I mean, that's that's got to be, you know, a win for both teams to, to have that potential matchup. Um, you know, but then again, like both teams have to get there. Um, it's right, but I mean, I just I, I'm thinking about the possibility and something I didn't think about. So you just said it, and that, that's pretty cool. And it it just shows one the um, Bob's ability to continue to coach at a high level, and then where Penny has gotten himself into um, as far as the team he's coaching and the opportunities he's getting. Yeah, I think um, you know what what the expectation is 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 you get. Three three games. I think if you go three and zero, that's like holy moly. That's unbelievable. That's better than we thought. 
I think the expectation is two and one, whether you win the first one and then, you know, lose one and then win one, or you lose the first one and win the next two, or you win two and then lose one. I, I, I think two and one is where you need to be when you, when you leave that tournament. Um, but, but we'll see. Um, hopefully I mean, listen, we can listen get to this this roster, Daniel. I mean, how does it not give you chills at this point? I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just, you know, highlight some players. When you talk about DJ Jeffries, Alex Lomax, Landers Nolly, Boogie Ellis, uh, Boogie Ellis, Damian Ball, Lester Kiannis, um, Malcolm Dandridge, Musa Cisse, like, I mean, dude, that's a really good team. And like I said, you got guys who are now coming back who learned from last year's mistakes. Uh, I mean, there's no way if you're a Memphis basketball fan, you can't be excited. And then when you get the ranking that, that they got um, and then them not talking, you know, it shows that, you know, it's good, right? So not going to get overhyped, but you know that the potential is there. Yeah, and you're not you're not planning your season around having James Wiseman and you're not having to deal with the distraction of of him not playing. So – you know, we'll 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 get a, a chance to talk. You know, as as the the Thanksgiving break comes closer, we'll get a chance to talk more and more about Memphis basketball because it'll it'll be hitting us hot and heavy, and we'll get more info as far as how practices are going and and things like that. But you know, I, I'm I'm excited. I'm gonna temper my my excitement until we get closer to game time because, um, you know, I don't I don't want to get overly hyped but i am i am um excited for that so um you know moving into nba and i i I, there's not a whole lot in the nba realm but there was one thing that i i wanted to give you a chance to talk about and because russ is your boy and and there were were talks about russ going to the knicks um what how do you feel about that I mean, I'm torn because, you know, if he does go back to the Knicks, I get to watch him go back to it's Russ against the world. And even though that doesn't lead to championships, it's fun to watch, especially if he's playing at a high level. But the championships part, right, it will cement that. I mean, right now he's looking at never getting one anyway. We know that. But, I mean, it will cement that. But it's not, you know – when we were sending messages about that, then the next day it came out about Harden. Um, they're going to – Houston's going to explore different opportunities. The difference is, is Harden has shown his ability to be elite scorer, so you're, you're less likely to deal him out. But with that, his contract's easier to move than Russ. I mean, Russ has got the hardest contract in the NBA to move. I mean, he's the highest paid player. He's going to continue to get paid more. But for New York, I mean – They'll do anything to get a star. They've they've struck out so many times over the last few years um, that for them it would be a good move. But Houston, I mean, they're looking at doing a bunch of different things, and it all depends on, you know, obviously we know Van Gundy is a name that's, you know, tied to it, but um, not sealed. But whoever comes in there is going to want to make changes, and one of the first changes they're going to make is probably to find a way to, to not only get him off, but find a way to get a big man and go back to normal basketball, right? So – It'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but um, uh, I'll go with him wherever, whether it's New York or 
I mean, I don't, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter at this point. You know I'm ride or die with him. So, yeah, and, and I mean, that's that's your guy. Like, you have to – I will I will ask you this. And, and if he goes to the Knicks, let's say, are you a Knicks fan? Yeah, I mean, that was the thing that Randy was trying to explain to Eric when he was like, Jim's an Oklahoma City fan. And, and Randy was quick to say, well, no, he's a Westbrook fan. And, yeah, I become a fan of that team per association when they go there um, because you got to root – if you're rooting for the player, you got to root for the team to do well. Um, the, the thing that was unique about OKC was, one, he was there for so long, but some of the players like a Steven Adams I grew fond of. And so it really became my team. Houston this year, I rooted for them because I wanted Russ's success. But because of, you know, my dislike for Harden, um, it was it was tough. And, you know, I tried to sell myself on small ball, but at the end of the day, I don't know that I just really liked it. Um, I, I, miss, I miss a pick and roll with a big man from Russ to Adams. Um, so, you know, the Knicks would become my team, but I don't know that I'll ever feel the same way like I, I did when he was in OKC and got to watch him in one place for many years and watch how much the crowd loved him and some of the guys he played with and the, the camaraderie he had. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I, I'll leave it with this. You know, if the Rockets unload Westbrook or Harden or both, like – and they don't have a coach doesn't to me that's that's a very hard sell for a coach coming in is to know you're going to have to rebuild this and do something totally different you don't have superstars um that i mean if i was houston i would absolutely keep harden and just and offload westbrook if you can find a way you keep harden and then you get a big man i mean it's as simple as that yeah, I mean, speaking of big men, the 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 Big Ten is is back in college football action this week. Um, before you know, we look at this week's games. We had, you know, LSU got their game canceled um, because of COVID. They are gonna make up that game, Jim. Yeah, December fifth, I believe. So, is. LSU a better team on December 5th when they play Florida? Well, they better be, but absolutely because flying under the radar because Florida was the one that canceled that game, uh, Miles Brennan would not play. And since me and you spoke, I got clarity. Um, it was uh, – he, he hurt his abdominals, uh, and he actually did it, man. Uh, shout out to to Miles for playing three quarters hurt. It actually happened uh, in the first quarter of that Missouri game, and he actually threw for 300 yards after the injury. So uh, he stuck it out. He would not have played. He's doubtful for this upcoming weekend. Um, so whether it would have been against Florida or South Carolina this week, uh, no Brennan. And obviously, South Carolina is a lot different team than Florida, but it's going to be more than likely T.J. Finley, the true freshman. So when you got a defense that's struggling like LSU, um, having a freshman quarterback um, that's never played before is not ideal because you're going to have to score points with the way that defense is playing. Yeah. Um, one of two things is going to happen. LSU is going to 
figure it out and start getting better. And when they play Florida in December, it's going to be a meaningful game or the opposite's going to happen. They're going to flounder the rest of the year. They're going to play Florida and it won't be for anything. And what you get is what you get. And Florida might even be the same way. Um, it'll be interesting to see as we get closer to that makeup game. Yeah, I mean, happens. I feel like if LSU's lost a bunch of games by then, as it looks like they may, and then Florida maybe is the team we expect them to be before they lost that AM game. I mean, LSU may have it, you know, already folded their cards by then. Yeah. So so this past week's games, so you know, let's let's just take a look. Let's recap some of those. Let's start with Memphis. Like um, I know you watched the entire game. I watched the entire game. It was um a, a typical Memphis start, getting behind early, you know, doing some really good things, doing some really bad things. But in in the end, having a ch- being in striking distance with the offense they have and, and just not giving up, that's what they have, have built this whole mantra on is, is not giving up and keeping themselves in the game so that they do have a chance to win. And we saw that Saturday. We, they did everything they needed to do to give themselves a chance to win. I mean, if you had to ask Ryan Silverfield how you want to win the game, I'm sure that's not how he says he wants to win the game, but a win is a win. Your quarterback had an unbelievable all-time best, you know, school best performance, six touchdowns, 480-something yards. Um, you know, and they often 68% because he was 34 or 50. So, I mean, very accurate. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's good stuff. And for all those people that have been, been crushing Brady White over the past couple of years, like, like you, you have to appreciate him for the past couple of seasons because there's nobody that we could have got that would be any better. There's nobody that would be more dedicated and more committed to the program than he has been through the good, through the bad. Um, so well, I, I was. I was to say with the way the defense is playing, I mean, you, you have to have a heroic performance like that, right? I mean, there's no other way about it. Yeah. And I, you know, I started saying late in the game, and I might have texted you, like, late in the game, in the past, the defense has not been the greatest, but they've always come up with a stop when you had to have it. As the game went on, like, it seemed like that stop wasn't coming, and Mm. then it did. Yeah, no, I – if I was to bet on it, I would have never bet that they made that final stop because – Um, it's one thing to have blown coverages, right? Um, you know, miscommunication, but on the 95 and 93 yard touchdowns, it was just plain bad tackling and poor effort. Right. And, um, it it was inexcusable both plays. And when I'm watching such poor tackling and you got to get one stop to have a chance at winning the game, I I didn't feel like they were going to get it. If for any reason, I didn't feel like they could wrap anybody up. Yeah, there was bad angles to balls. There was bad pursuit routes. There was there was a lot of bad broken coverages. You know, just you know, it looked like miscommunication in the secondary, and, and there was big plays. And I think, you know, Gabriel, who's who is a, a 
proven to be a really good quarterback and very accurate. Like if you have any kind of breakdown, those guys are going to take advantage of it. Um, but you know, it, it was a great game. It was a fun game to watch. Sucks to be the kicker, but you know, Hey, well, I was going to ask you about that. You know, obviously you've seen the dust up start on the sideline. Um, you know, I don't, I don't care if the kicker missed it or not, man, obviously based upon his reaction and the player that was in his face talking, he said something to him to, to get that reaction. And man, if you didn't go over there and say something positive, which obviously if you said something positive, you wouldn't get the reaction. You're in the wrong man, because that guy's a teammate. You know, we're talking with Trey about the brotherhood and I understand that the kickers are, and punters are seen a little different, but they are uh, a part of your team. And, you know, just as much as they can lose you the game, they can win you the game. And you're going to need that guy to bounce back and make kicks. And so um, the dude who went over there and said something, man, uh, you're wrong for that. Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to pass judgment because the guy could have said any number of things. Here's what I think was said to him. And I, I have no factual basis on this, but just – by the way that it went down, I think the receiver went over there and told the guy, hey, it's the end of the game. Let's go shake their hand. Stop being a baby. Stop punching the wall. Let's go do this. And the kicker had something to say. Um, now, Or like Randy I, said, he might have went over there and been like, you're some slaw. <laughs> he he could have said that. I obviously doctored it up and made it sound nicer than maybe it was packaged or presented to him. But I, I think – you know, in the, the heat of competition, when there's failure, especially, you know, failure that results in winning or losing a game, like there's only one court, there's two courses of action. You can stay silent or you can just be positive. Anything else you can But hold. you know as well what's fixing that, as well as I do, what's fixing to happen to that kid happens every year in college football that kid's going to receive death threats because fans are lunatics. And when you miss a game-winning kick, it, it comes out every year. And it's not just hearsay. They've shown, you know, factual evidence of notes and stuff. Like, I feel bad for kickers when they miss game-winning kicks. Obviously, if it's against my team, I, I take the win, and I, I gladly take the win. But I feel bad for these guys, man, because um, no one deserves any kind of treatment like that. Well, and what what do they expect? They scored nothing but touchdowns the whole night. The dude didn't have to kick a single field goal, and then you put him out there on the – That was his first attempt? I, I believe so. Yeah, I mean – So, I mean, other than, other than extra points, which – I mean, it's pressure. I mean, it's a big game. It's in a big stage. It's, it's, it's different, and especially to be sitting around for that much time, like to go out there and go, all right – it's all on the line right now. But, and again, that's, that's your job. Like, I don't think a kicker's job is to, it is to kick field goals and make them like throughout the course of, of the game, but it's your main focus and job as a kicker is when the game's on the line, you're there to make a kick. Right. Well, you know, it's funny, Daniel, like for me personally, um, if I get really, really nervous, it's my leg to get shaky, right? Like it'll start bouncing. And so I imagine myself being a kicker. That's like worst case scenario. Like the thing that I'm going to have to use is what's problematic. Mm. Wow. 
You're gonna have to do you. Then you you need to not be a kicker. You just need uh, to. I mean, I'm not. So we're good. We're good. So you know, just looking back on last week's games, Clemson blew out Georgia Tech. Miami beats Pittsburgh. Auburn loses again to South Carolina. Kentucky, you know, rolls over Tennessee, which you know to me was kind of shocking. I thought you know. After the Georgia game, not that Tennessee was world beaters, but I felt like they showed some glimpses throughout that game that they were much better than what they showed um, against Kentucky. But maybe Kentucky is a better team than people are giving them credit and for. Kentucky defense the week before, I mean, even though Mississippi State's had its struggles, held them to two and then turn around and hold Tennessee down like that. You know, got to give Kentucky credit, um, you know, they're doing what they need to do in Kentucky. The last few years has been a been a decent football program, and um, they can still continue to show that they can win games. Which you know, for most of our life, that wasn't the case. True. Uh, you had you know Notre Dame, you know slide past Louisville, just a nasty weather. Cold. Man, I'm glad I didn't watch that game. I just saw the final score, and that was enough. Yeah, it, it, I watched some of it. It wasn't an exciting game. It was, you know, pretty dreary. You had Texas A&M, you know, double up Mississippi State. You had Florida State, who was pounding North Carolina to begin with. North Carolina made a charge just, you know, too little too late. And you had Alabama do what Alabama does. They not so much struggled for the first half, but they just locked down Georgia the second half, and Georgia just couldn't do anything. The thing I um, want to say about that game, man, Mac Jones, the receiving core he's got, man, like, God, he's – I mean, he he has got the biggest plethora of weapons. And, you know, the idea that he gets three guys with that kind of talent is just – he's got to love his job. I mean – Based on what Alabama has had for receivers over the past few years, you've got to say, like, they, they're they figuring out what the recipe is for, for speed and, and on the outside there. I mean, those guys have been just – Oh, I mean, yeah, you look at this – you look at the guys in the NFL right now. I mean, look, look at how, like, you know, Judy and um, Ruggs have came out the gate. You obviously look at what Cooper, Julio, and Ridley are doing. Like, I mean – Alabama's putting out some forces, man, at wide receiver. Yeah. So this week's slate of games, we got the Big Ten back in action. But you know, we'll we'll go through this week's games. We'll do predictions. But let's let's just look at this week's games, and you tell me if there's any, you know, as we go through this that you're you're excited for, or you are not so much excited for. You got Illinois at Wisconsin. You got Syracuse at Clemson. I mean, and I mean, Syracuse just lost to Liberty, so I mean, Clemson might put up a hundred points on them. Maybe um, you got Ohio State at Nebraska, NC State at North Carolina, Kansas, Kansas State, Georgia Southern, Coastal Carolina, uh, FAU Marshall, Alabama at Tennessee. I guess Tennessee could right all of its wrongs if they beat Alabama. Um, Notre Dame, Pittsburgh, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Penn State, Indiana, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, Michigan, Minnesota, Virginia, Miami, Cincinnati, SMU, um, BYU, Texas State. So 
a bunch of games on the docket. Um, anything stick out to you or just happy Big Ten's back and we can kind of get a, a – Well, I do, I do want to say something because in those ranked games that you read off was Coastal Carolina. And, you know, man, maybe – because we talked about it last week, just maybe Louisiana Lafayette shouldn't have ran their mouth about being the best team in the state of Louisiana and coming at LSU, right, because then they turn around and lost to Coastal Carolina. So, uh, you know, you you learn to to humble yourself, especially when you're somewhere that you haven't been before. But a good win for them, and now they find themselves in the top 25. But um, I think the game I want to see, Daniel, because Oklahoma State, because of COVID, has been off. And we asked if they were worthy of their ranking. And, you know, when you see another Big 12 team ranked, you you also wonder how good they are in general. But nevertheless – Oklahoma State at number six playing number 17, Iowa State, um, should reveal something, right, uh, one way or the other. Um, and then I would say, you know, because Memphis and the American, right, we got to care about undefeated Cincinnati and undefeated SMU, right? Yeah, I mean, the I'm, I'm interested in that game for the – connection to memphis i mean i i think we have to root for cincinnati don't we to win we you have to play them you want them to be undefeated you want them to be as good as they can possibly be when you get a chance to play them um so but yeah i think the michigan minnesota game will will be interesting to rank big 10 teams we get to see you know, is Minnesota going to pick up where they left off with the season that they had last year? Or, you know, is is, is Michigan going to, you know, show show dominance? And what what does the season have in store for them? Um, one team to look out for, NC State, 4-1, four, four and one, um, coming kind of out of nowhere. Um, but they're taking on North Carolina. I think it's, like you said, it's going to be a revealing game. It's going to is North Carolina State for real, or is North Carolina just not that good? Um, so I'm interested, but 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 with that, you know, let's let's talk predictions. So last week you improved the two and two. You took Bama over Georgia um, with no saving. I took Georgia over Alabama, and I've fallen to one and three. So this week, Jim, what game? Who you got? You ready? Oh, you're going to like this so much. Pittsburgh over Notre Dame. Oh, Lord. I mean, they got to lose sometime. And, and you know, historically, Pittsburgh is a giant killer. Yeah, let me see. I mean, I, I, here's the thing. You know, you – it's that's a good pick because the, the – they got Georgia Tech who Clemson just absolutely demolished. And then they got Clemson that second game. So this is a game where you could easily be looking past them and get, get upset. So, I mean, I, I don't think that's a bad pick. At they all. played Miami close last week at Miami. Like, so they can't be just terrible. It's true. I mean, they were ranked at, at one point. So you got, you got pick uh, Pitt over Notre Dame. Oh man, this is this is gonna be. I mean, wow. you said when we do this, it wasn't about the easy picks, right? So I'm not picking Ohio State. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So got to pick somebody I that I actually think can win. If if we were betting, we would be betting Ohio State. 
Oh man, they'll cover that spread, no problem. Um, let's see. Just looking at ranked games. You know, I hmm. If I if I took Cincinnati, who's number nine seed over SMU, um, is that a bad pick? SMU is the favorite by two and a half points. No, because I mean you believe it can happen. It's like we said, and then also you want it to happen. So um, yeah, it goes with my pick. I believe Pittsburgh could do it, and I want it to happen because we don't like Notre Dame. <laughs> so that's what I'm gonna take Cincinnati over SMU. Give me some more vested interest to watch a game outside the the power conferences, and we'll see what happens. Oh man, long long night. So la- let's 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 do a last call, Jim. Last call. What did we miss in sports? Uh, man, you know I don't know much about it, but I listened to them talk about it on the radio today. The boxing match, and I I don't know the names, so. I know the one's Lopez, actually, uh, the yeah. one who won. But he is – that was only his 15th fight. Um, usually you don't find yourself – they talk about usually don't find yourself in a title match of this magnitude this early. Um, usually you want to get a couple years more experience because he's only 23 also. Um, but yet got himself in this matchup. His dad, two years ago, as they tell the story, predicted that he'd be a champ by the time he was in his 15th match. So, way to call shot, Pops. And then, um, since I didn't watch the fight, but listening to them talk about it, they said he owned it from the jump. So, uh, shout out to the young kid, Lopez, for taking care of business in the boxing world. Yeah. um, Lopez, he's, I want to say, a four- or five-time champion, uh, current champion, but – you know, Lomachenko, he, he's a guy who was at the top of the sport. He was a champion in his own right, but he hadn't boxed in a really long time. And I think in the fight game, like, taking a lot of time off can be detrimental. Um, you know, and I, I think you could tell there was definitely a little bit of rust because Lopez just kind of looked faster. And, and these are just from the highlights that, I, that I've seen. Um, but look faster, look more efficient, and just, you know, like you said, from from bell one in the first round to the last bell, like he, he just head and shoulders better. So, you know, shout out to him. For me, I'm going to stick with the fight game for last call. You know, Conor McGregor says he's coming back to fight. Um, are you excited for that? I'll say yeah, because he's somebody that anytime I've seen on a pay-per-view event, I have either purchased it or went somewhere to watch it. So, I mean, I don't see that changing at all. He's he's a kind of polarizing figure that you want to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if Dustin Poirier is a guy that I would necessarily buy a pay-per-view for, but, you know, if I was – had the opportunity to go to a bar and watch the fight, I would definitely go and watch the fight because I think McGregor is, is that type of attraction. I think it's hard not to want to watch him. Uh, whether you love him or hate him, you you always want to just tune in to see what, what kind of spectacle there's going to be. So, um, you know, in the world of sports, man, that's the last call. We'll move around the horn. 
Jim, what's the one thing the audience needs to know before you go? Man, we've been talking about, you know, taking your, your right and your opportunity to go vote. Um, you've talked about it for multiple weeks now. Carlton came on and talked about it last week. And uh, I just thought I'd throw out the numbers that so far more than 28 million Americans have voted early. Um, and so, man, that's, that's great for our country because um, people are taking the opportunity and they're showing that, that they want to, to be involved, they want to be a part um, of this election, and they're getting out early and voting. And, I mean, you know, I saw a line today just locally, you know, and know a guy who was in it, and he waited an hour and a half for, for early voting. And so the willingness to, to wait because you want to – to do that right that you've been given and, and have an opportunity to, to cast your ballot. So, you know, shout out to the 28 million who have jumped in the game already. And, and hopefully it continues this trend and, and everybody takes this opportunity. I know um, I'm going to look into where I can go and get it done. I had to double check and confirm everything was good with uh, me being registered and it is. And so uh, sometime this week, um, wherever I find out's the easiest place to go, I will be taking my uh, my opportunity. Yeah, early early voting. I've been seeing it. You know, go vote. Like if you're, there's the one thing that you can do that you know has any influence over decisions being made that you like or dislike. Go vote. Um, that's that's your right. That's your choice. Um, early voting opened up today actually, and the lines were were, were out down the streets in some places i um i haven't decided if i'm going to early vote i always like the the rush of voting on the day of the election um you know but you know with early voting and my schedule i might have to like fit that in somewhere but you know we'll see but i'm definitely going to vote whether it's the you know on november 3rd or if it's early um but because i, I do think it's important um, but with me, you know, the one thing I think the audience needs to know before I go is, you know, we don't, we, we mentioned fitness and working out, but um, if you want to know what it's like to be the fittest person on earth, the CrossFit games are going to have their finals this weekend. And you can go to games.crossfit.com and go to, you know, CrossFit games, YouTube channel, and you can watch, the uh, Friday events, the Saturday events, and Sunday events, and you'll you'll see what these elite CrossFit athletes go through, and and what what the strain and what the process is to becoming the the best, and and you know arguably you know not arguably to me, but to some the the fittest person on the planet, um, and that's there's a male competition and a female competition, so I'd highly suggest all those. Guys and girls that work out, eat eat healthy. Check it out. Um, hell, you might even find find something that you you enjoy. Um, but you know, it's been a long night. It's been a good night. Uh, season two has kicked off. You know, way better than we could have imagined. You know, I want to thank Trace Band for joining us. You know, we definitely going to get some some more of him. Uh, after he goes through this NFL process and we'll pick up with him, you know, towards, uh, you know, end of the end of the winter going into the spring to see, you know, where he's at. And, you know, I just want to thank our, our listeners and, you know, those that follow us. Um, 
it's been an amazing ride. Season one was awesome. And, you know, I'm looking forward to season two. Um, and, and with that, if you, if you like hearing us average Joe's talking X's and O's, please continue to like and share the podcast on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter, listen and subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and anchor. As always, your comments and ratings, feedback, all that good stuff is always welcome. Please check out the website. Uh, we'll see everyone next week for episode two. We're going to be discussing field hockey, a new sport. Um, and we'll be talking to Mary Grace Humes, who plays for Christopher Newport University. So I'm um, excited about that new sport that, you know, we have little knowledge of. And, you know, we'll get to hear, you know, Mary Grace's story. Um, so with that, Jim, we're going we're gonna to wrap this thing up, man. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.